This is the Joy of Geek. Welcome to the Joy of Geek podcast, episode 52. I'm Rich Lepore. Kevin Shaver. Jordan Alseka. <laughs> and we are all here. Um, it's the big reunion tour episode. Um, we are we are all back at it. Indeed. It is. But it's been a while. I think the last one was, I looked, it was, we did the Runaways book discussion. Um, and then I think we discussed Guardians 2 then. And oddly <clears throat> enough, we're doing uh, MCU movie today and then... Runaways premiere is what is it? Is it this week, Jordan? No, it's November twenty first. Twenty first. Okay, so this month. But yeah, coming off. God, that snuck up on me. Is it really that, that soon? I feel like it we really were talking is. about. I feel like we were talking about Runaways. It was like at least a year off. It wasn't, yeah. or was it just? Did they push it up, Jordan? Or nope. It was always going to be November, huh? Yeah. Okay. Weird. I don't well, know. Did they, have, did they have the announce the release date when we recorded that? Because that I, mean, I we don't knew know, it, but I'm it was being... supposed to be this year, so. Okay, yeah, okay, I, gotcha. I yeah. really thought it was 2018. I don't know where I got that impression, but um, when I like, because I remember Dagger the, is 2018. Yeah, but I wouldn't have been thinking about that. You <laughs> know, for 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 me, I don't have a, I don't have a point of reference really for that. I think I've read like maybe one issue. Um, but for me, when I was thinking about Runaways, I remember the feeling distinctly when it, when the trailer came out, the first like teaser trailer. I was like, oh man, I don't even want to watch that. It's so far away from now. Um, <laughs> You know, sometimes you feel that way. Like, for example, it's how I felt with BVS when it was first announced, like, two years earlier with a freaking trailer. I was I like, mean, come on, man. Again, not, <laughs> I mean, just to go back to Cloak and Dagger, that had a teaser trailer before Runaways, and it's still not till next year. I'm saying, and have I watched it? No, I have not. Um, but anyway, uh, there's also some interesting stuff that, that just launched, um, and, and sort of feels like it's under the radar. Is anybody watching Gifted? You're watching it, Jordan, right? I've seen the first three episodes. How's, uh, I'm how's interested the... in checking it out. Uh, Jordan and I were talking about this the other night, but I am interested. I don't know. Based, I knew nothing about it really, other than it existed. But Jordan had told me some about the premise, and it sounds interesting. Uh, how many episodes have there been, Jordan? I think six or so. It's I, okay. I haven't kept up fully. So but I dropped... think it premiered about two weeks before most things. So uh, six, may I think tomorrow would be seven. <clears throat> so you've dropped off slightly on it. No, no, I wouldn't say that. I just, there's a lot that airs. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. What are we at, five DC shows at this point? There Something are like currently, well, if you, DC shows. Uh, I guess that counts the CW, Batman, yeah. There's Gotham. Um, Lucifer and iZombie, technically, if you want to throw those I guess. in there. <laughs> um, I guess. Although course, I have been enjoying <clears throat> Lucifer. Go ahead. I don't know if you've talked about it. Uh just from news, but, you know, the CW is developing... Obviously, Black Lightning's coming out next year, and now they're developing a sixth DC, DC show, so... And Roswell! Woot woot! <laughs> I'm all about some Roswell coming back. I couldn't believe that news. It was one of the times I took to Twitter, and I was just like, I can't believe this is the best news I was never expecting. Because Roswell's actually really good. Have either of you guys seen it? No. No, I've not. It's solid, dude. It's solid. That show is, uh, I don't know what to tell you about it, except that it's kind of like Dawson's Creek meets The X-Files meets Riverdale meets, I don't know, it's just really good. You know, it's very Veronica Marzi, um, takes place at a school, very much like, you know, down-home vibe, but, but you know, it's got Supernatural, and it's, you know, obviously the, a lot of the main characters are aliens, but they look like hunky teenagers. Um, so, 
anyway, it, it, it's a, it was really fun to watch. I watched it as, uh, you know, the DVDs a friend of mine brought over at one point when he was visiting back when DVDs were Blu-rays, basically, um, they were the hotness and, uh, I watched it and it was awesome and I was riveted and it made a real impact on me. So I can't wait till that comes out. Nice. Jordan, are you still reviewing all the Arrowverse shows currently? For yeah, TV? I'm cool. still writing about them regularly. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, I guess when we get to uh, what we've been watching, we can get an update on uh, check in with you on all of those and see how they all are stacking up. Um, sure. I know that they're all in different sort of stages. Some are in season what five or six. Some are in season two or three. Others are in season well, yeah, one, no, two. I guess the 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 most recent is in, in season two. It would be Supergirl, right? Or is it three now? It's in three. Wow, man, man, time flies. It's crazy. Alrighty. Um. So anyway, for people um who are here to listen to this episode and want to know what we're going to be talking <laughs> about, um, we are getting carried away because it is the first time that we have all of our hosts back in play. Um. So it is the the crew of Rich Jordan and Kevin, and we are going to be talking about uh Thor Ragnarok. It is a momentous occasion. Um. Or depending on what your thoughts are on Thor movies. Um, but it'll be really fun to talk about that. So that's our main event. We'll be talking about Thor Ragnarok at the end, um, giving sort of a full spoiler-included review, as we oft do here on the podcast. Um, we're also going to be talking about a couple news stories. Um, we always want to talk about one, two, or three little things that um, caught our interest over the past uh, week or two. Um, and then also, and I think this will probably be a little bigger than usual for us because we haven't had Jordan on in a while talking about geek culture stuff. Um, would be what we've been watching slash reading slash enjoying. Um, so sure. it'll go, it'll go um, intro, obviously, news, then what we've been reading, then Thor Ragnarok. Um, and uh, without any further ado, uh, Kevin, why don't you kick off with uh, one of the news stories you were talking about that you have written on our sheet here? For sure. So the first one, um, this was a big shocker, actually. I saw this pop up in my news feed on Friday night. Um, it's very early, so we don't know much about it. But apparently a Lord of the Rings TV series is in early stages of development at Amazon. What? Uh, what? I know. You know, like this one I was not prepared for at all. And I'm I don't know. I uh, I know it's early and who knows if it will actually come to pass. Um, and, you know, if it does happen, who will be involved, etc. But Amazon has expressed interest. Um, I think Den of Geek was that was where I saw it first. Um Den of Geek, Screen Rant, all the big sites broke this story. Um, but I have, I don't know. Many thoughts came to mind um, right away. Number one being, uh, how in the world are you going to come close or in any way try to top the cinematic and storytelling quality of the tr movie trilogy? Um, so I think, I don't know, I'm very skeptical about this idea. I realize that there is a lot of material um, in the Tolkien verse that was not covered in the movies and that they like can explore more. The Silmarillion stuff that everybody loves talking about. That and, uh, and even just in, looking at the main Lord of the Rings series. Um, so in Return of the King, one of the biggest things that they never really hit on in the movies, even in the extended editions, um, was is that after Frodo and um, his company return from destroying the ring and they come back to the Shire. Spoilers. If, Just kidding. Spoiler. Yeah, if you haven't read Return of the King, uh, you know, it's kind of been out several decades. Um, so, you know, but um, at the end of the Return of the King, they return to the Shire and they have one last battle there. This is after Sauron is defeated. Um, but basically, 
while Frodo and Mary Pippin and Sam were absent, um, this one kinsman uh, who had uh, was loosely related to the Baggins kind of took over the Shire and aligned himself with Saruman. And so this sort of like, and he's kind of enslaved the rest of the hobbits. And this sort of mini war ensues. It's called, um, and, you know, of course, Frodo has to overcome them and there's orcs and everything. It's loosely hinted at in Fellowship of the Ring when uh, Frodo looks into the mirror that Galadriel presents him with and he sees a vision of this apocalyptic shire and um, Oh my Sam God, Hyde you're hardcore, games. dude. You are hardcore. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen and read Lord of the Rings just a few times. Oh, um, no. This is why I have strong feelings about this. But, um, so that it's loosely hinted at in the movies, but more as like an alternate future type thing in the books, it actually happens. And, uh, this is where Saruman dies and, um, at the hands of Grima Warmtongue, his little weird troll-like slave. And mm-hmm. so that stuff is not taking place, does not take place in the movies. Um, so that, yeah, yes, there is material, there's plenty of material they could draw from, but still, well, I mean, you got to you got to do if you're going to do it. Yeah, uh, I think the only way to do it would be, I mean, a very small scale, like just hang out in the Shire with the hobbits and have it be like general hobbit drama, which would probably suck now, yeah, that, I said it, yeah. now that I said it out loud or right. go huge with it and do Game of Thrones, but make it the Lord of the Rings. Right. Um, I mean, yeah. those shows have a ginormous budget. Um, they, they film do, over the course but... of a full year. Um, and they they do match the scope in many cases of those Lord of the Rings films. They do. Well, it got me thinking, too, about um, the Game of Thrones budget. But if you think about it, in season one, there aren't any as many insane, nearly as many insane spectacles mm-hmm. as the later seasons. Um, there's even uh, toward the end of the season, you know, we see the sword fight between Ned and Jamie, which is really cool. But there's the big battle that Tyrion and all them are involved in. They literally just cut away from it. Uh, you don't even see it play out. Um, oh, it just, okay. The after effect. So they didn't have nearly this. Even then, even if they got that kind of budget, they would still have to start relatively small. And well, you never match the just sheer cinematic spectacle of the Peter Jackson trilogy. Don't don't forget though. This is Amazon we're talking about. Yeah, uh, Amazon has li- literally unlimited coffers. They do right. not give a fuck. Um, and their business model is built around become the biggest in everything. Um, go so far as to design drones to drop off packages and special technology that opens your front door automatically for you, brings your package inside and then shuts it and locks it. And then yeah. one day down the road when they own the whole world – flip the switch and everything becomes normal price instead of discounted and uh they own you basically i mean that's the business model because they don't make a lot of money if any now i think they're still performing at a loss so money isn't so much the factor as much as world domination is um not 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 to go (laughs) political with that but you know you do have to remember that uh let's look at netflix right netflix will spend any amount of money they do not care they just sure. want to make sure they have the best content, period. And if this is going to be the flagship of all flagships on Amazon, I mean, I get what you're saying. A TV show, no matter what, it's it's 10 hours minimum, right? You know, yeah. you, can't, you can't have the scope and the grandeur of a three-hour or two-and-a-half-hour 
you know, and Peter Jackson and New Zealand and all the craziness yeah. that were those movies. Um, right. So I, I don't know. Those are just my sort of assorted thoughts. They don't really lead well, anywhere except to say that anything's possible. I mean, I agree. But the other thing, too, is that, OK, I fully agree with doing a high fantasy or low fantasy show at Amazon. They haven't really done as many um, sci-fi fantasy genre shows like that yet. They've done a few sci-fi, but fantasy is generally, uh, I mean, that's the thing. It's like in mainstream culture, it's as if Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones are like the only fantasy franchises out there. When in reality, there are so many books that would make for great adaptations. And I would rather see, you know, like Wheel of Time or, you know, mm. some Brandon, Brandon Sanderson books, um, you know, turned into TV shows. Um, uh, just pro- problem being, problem being, fantasy fans know what Wheel of Time is. Everybody else doesn't, and that and and not and that was the same way for Game of Thrones until it hit critical mass. So certainly they could do it, but it's a much more uphill battle than just popping Lord of the Rings on it and knowing that you're going to have a humongous install base, for lack of a better word. Um, sure. I mean, I hear I hear what you're saying. Original material is definitely where it's at if you can do it. I mean, yeah. Just just look at the Shadow of Mordor slash Shadow of War games on the video game side. Um, sure. I was I was having this conversation with a friend of the podcast, former host Tim. Um, the other night when I saw Thor Ragnarok with him and um, the thoughts that he had were we were actually just talking about how the Hobbit movies weren't very good. I hadn't I haven't actually even seen them because I'm not a mm-hmm. huge fan of Lord of the Rings. And the way he started the conversation was saying, hey, what do you think of Lord of the Rings in general? And I was like, eh, and he just was flabbergasted and then went so far as to remind me that you, Jordan, just straight up don't even like them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I've had many a car ride with Tim talking about Lord of the Rings with me. It's not that I don't like them. It's just I've only seen them once in theaters, and I didn't really care about them enough to ever see them again. That's all. Me too. It's not a hatred. It's just a lack of devoted interest. I appreciate their importance in cinema history. Sure, absolutely. I mean, there is no no Game of Thrones without Lord of the Rings. However, I'd rather watch Game of Thrones. It's interesting like that. I mean, okay. Okay. I, I'm. It's just generally fantasy for me is very hard for me to keep an interest in. I haven't rewatched the seasons of Game of Thrones. Heck, I'm. I gave up on Game of Thrones, and I only startingly will watch episodes now for one or two at a time, and then just kind of lose interest. Mainly because everything's spoilered, and I don't really care about getting spoilered on that show. But yeah, just generally well, high fantasy is a a tougher sell for me. Is more than anything the issue. And if you think yeah, about no, it, that's... Kevin, that's the case for a lot of people. You know. Sure. So that's and why I, I, I get that. Right. And I mean, we live in a sci-fi age and everything is just being more of a fantasy fan. You know, it. I would love to see some other works adapted because I also I mean, not only do I own the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the books and everything, I also own the um, animated movie from the 70s, which uh, right. uh, came, you know, that was what that was originally what sparked Peter Jackson's interest in the whole franchise and got him to read the books. Um, so I've just been invested in that series for so long. I just, in my mind, I can't imagine anything topping the movies or coming remotely on par with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just puts me in kind of a like, uh, very skeptical mindset. Well, I, I mean, do you like the Hobbit movies? Are they supposedly good? The Hobbit movies, I don't hate them. Like I, you know, like there are some people who just can't stand them. I do definitely think it should have been either one movie or two. It should not have been a trilogy. Uh, and the third movie is by far the most boring out of the three. Really? Uh, wow. That's it's surprising. literally well, 
Well, the third movie is literally uh, the last. It's about 50 pages of the book. If that. He basically expands a battle that's described in five or ten pages in the book and makes that an entire movie and then does some of the after stuff. And um, so it's a, it's definitely a case of, you know, killing your darlings. He spent so much time in that universe, he wanted to keep it going forever. And so it was way too stretched out and there was so much unnecessary prequel yeah. stuff thrown into there. It's also uh-huh. the symptom. It's also the symptom of not having like a Kevin Feige type to like yeah, or, or a yeah. Kathleen Kennedy to like roll up and be like, exactly. dude dude like slow down yeah the, like the train is off yeah. the tracks bud um right and, and originally guillermo del toro was supposed to direct hobbit and peter jackson was just going to be a producer um and then that shifted like, no, give me the wheel back project. give me the wheel back i got to have it i yeah. got to have this yeah yeah give it and i mean del toro gets a writing and producing credit on all three but i really don't know how much involvement he had especially with the later ones um I think he was more instrumental in the first movie than the others. But as far as like my enjoyment of them, I can watch them and enjoy them, but they definitely don't in any way compare um, to just the sheer, you know, brilliance of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. That's that's so amazing. You could put like Hobbit part two or Lord of the Rings part three on, and it would take me about 10 minutes to figure out which one I was watching, to be honest with you. (laughs) Um, anyway, Lord of the Rings aside, TV show in development, very interesting. Uh, what other news we got? Um, so the only one other one I came up with, the Lion King remake cast. Uh, I put in the notes on the script I sent you guys that uh, it's making me really, it's making it really hard for me to not care about this movie because I, I this is again, I mean, just constant remakes and everything. I trying to imagine i granted i did like john favreau's jungle book um remake um because that was a really interesting one that didn't in any way do the same thing as the cartoon it actually expanded the story in an interesting way and uh didn't just do all the songs the casting was really solid but this one my fear is that they're just gonna cling so much to the original because so many people love it and you know they're calling it a live action lion king when, of course, there are no human characters in Lanking and it's going to be all CG characters and um, voice actors. But nonetheless, the cast they've lined up is pretty stellar. Um, Donald Glover as Simba. Uh, well, Beyonce is going to be Nala, which is a little interesting. They got James Earl Jones back to do Mufasa. Um, the real one I'm excited for is Chiwetel Ejiofor is playing Scar. That I'm really looking forward wow. to. Um, that sounds solid. Yeah, John Oliver, Zazu, um, let's see, Jordan, you can, what's the guy from Parks and Rec that's playing Timon? Eichner, Eichner, that's right. I love him. He's Timon and Seth Rogen is Pumbaa. So that'll be really interesting. Um, But yeah, so it's, they lined up a stellar cast that's making me like, ugh, I probably will see this, but. Yeah, so, I don't know, are you guys, Jordan, are you excited about, I know, you know, you and Liz, big Disney fans. Um, I like The Lion King. Uh, to me, I've seen a good number of their, if not live action, realistic is, I think, a better, maybe a better word for it. Uh, right. Because uh, I really like The Jungle Book. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to The Lion King, if only because of the cast. Uh, yeah. Honestly, Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen are my most questionable picks, if only because they're so uniquely styled. Certainly Billy Eichner, so it... I hope they rein that in 
because yes. I think it's weird. I think it's a problem when any animated movie is like, let's give the movie over to this very specific comedic style. It doesn't really work very often. Robin Williams in Aladdin worked really well, but sometimes it sure. can be very noticeably out of place. So I hope mm -hmm. that doesn't happen. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point because, yeah, Eichner, he has these super exaggerated characters he plays, and that's his kind of brand of comedy. And then Seth Rogen on is kind of the direct opposite, more like laid back bromance movies and um so they rely on two very unique but very different personas uh in a lot of their characters so it will be interesting to see how that plays out yeah and um also you know i i like chiwetel ejiofor i'm interested but also jeremy irons is one i think the most iconic yeah. voice in that movie so it, it's for sure interesting not having him back as scar but also i you know i i can understand changing stuff up uh ufasa coming back is good though yeah big time yeah, that is a really good point. The more I hear you guys talk about it, it's like there already was The Lion King and it already had a stellar voice cast. And so this is just, okay, so it's CG, I guess, against real-life backdrops, I suppose, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's not that different from animated. I guess it is that different. I don't know. It's I interesting. Mean, well, it looks good enough now. The Jungle Book looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's The Lion King. Probably and again, what they did with Jungle Book, like, uh, they didn't just recycle the cartoon, um, whereas I haven't seen the new Beauty and the Beast, but I know that despite some changes to the source material, it clings very heavily to the mm -hmm. original. And that's my fear for the new one, uh, for the new Lion King. But because Jon Favreau is helming it, I have faith that he will do something a little more different. But if the trailer is literally just, you know, all the iconic shots and the music and everything it's going to make me hard to get excited for that because then it is really just, yeah, a different looking, different kind of animated version of the original. I mean, maybe more, maybe more brutal, maybe? I, I... Maybe. It'll, I don't know. I'll kind of wait to see a trailer to get, to really get into an opinion, but I just wish people would stop using the terminology of live action Lion King because it's not. It's still a cartoon. Yeah, that's 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 interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, what was the character that they just did really, really well? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Jordan, you weren't here to talk about this, but um, and I know you haven't seen it yet. But Blade Runner 2049, um, they recreate a character in that so lifelike. Yeah. So perfectly that like the uncanny valley has been crossed. Uh, it, it literally, like, you think that person is in the room. I mean, perfectly. Like, not yeah. one moment did it stand out. Um, it was pretty interesting. Mm. Um, but, but that's something else to talk about news-wise, um, is that Blade Runner is a flop. Um, and I am really disturbed about it. Uh, it's that, very disappointing. Uh, that movie did not make a lot of money. Um, and I guess it's somewhat understandable. It is a two and a half hour, uh, very philosophical sci-fi piece. Um, but it's beautiful and Harrison Ford is in it and Ryan Gosling is in it and, it, and, 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 and Robin Wright is in it. And that, that's who that is, right? Yeah. And, and it's just, it's so good and it's so beautiful and it's by the dude who made Arrival and Arrival was a big hit. Like, I just don't understand why more people didn't go. That was really what was surprising as far as it tanking financially was that Arrival was also a very thoughtful yeah. science fiction film that ha that was an original screenplay. It wasn't even attached to any kind of franchise, and that did really well. I don't know if it was just because that was closer to Oscar season. This was released in October, but 
it did surprise me just how uh, you know the, uh, it seems like not many people saw it. And you said overseas also, right? Really, very much so. Internationally, did not do well either. Um, did you see? I don't know if you saw the other day that. Uh, they announced that originally they were wanting to do it as a four-hour cut and split into two movies. Oh, God, I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would have enjoyed it, sure. Sure, sure. But, I mean, boy, am I glad they didn't do that. Well, um, it, it came out perfect, so I don't need any kind of tinkering with it. Well, let's let's look back and say uh, at the original Blade Runner, guess what? Huge flop, you know? Right. Um, and then in time, it became this, you know, cult status of classic that – um, you know, has endured tremendously and, you know, become incredibly influential. And I think, you know, we all did. I don't think listeners to this channel, unless you also um, subscribe to uh, Jordan's Kickstarter, um, heard our, our spoiler spoiler cast for Blade Runner, but we all watched it and did like a, a review. And I think all of us found that it's definitely a different watch now, um, definitely a slower paced movie. Um, I, I don't think I came out saying that I enjoyed watching it again very much. I, I don't know, Jordan, was that your impression as well? I did not really. Yeah, I was pretty cold on it. It just, uh, it just, there's something about it. I know, uh, uh, um, Kevin, you were still, uh, fond of it. Um, I mean, I see it, its influence, but man, I, sure. I wasn't having a great time watching that movie. Um, I but... mean, it's understandable. It, it, well, the, like we talked about in that review, the original, as iconic as it is, it, you know, launched this idea of merging sci-fi and noir together and all these other concepts. But that was 1982. Since then, we've been exposed to a lot of sci-fi very similar to it that does even more. Uh, and so by today's standards, it seems sort of basic to us. Uh, and so that's why it can come off as a little dry. I understand that. But yeah, it. I also saw that. I saw it when I was like 14 for the first time. So that was before I saw any of the other, like Minority Report or any oh, of those. Oh, sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, and so I think I had a fonder appreciation of it already instilled to me from previous viewings. Got it, got it. Um, One more thing that as I was scrolling the news feeds I thought was interesting, or not interesting, but just tragic in general. Um, Well, I don't, I, there's not even a good way to discuss this, but as we all know what's been going on, and we, we won't talk about it in depth here, but, you know, the Harvey Weinstein of it all. Um, and all of these 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 you know toxic men who have been outed, um, and Kevin Spacey uh, is the latest uh, of those. Um, and now I just saw news that House of uh, House of Cards is so it, I thought it was deeper into production um, than it is, but apparently it was just in pre-production for season six. And now and and you know the the company has said we're done. Like Kevin Spacey is out. We won't do anything that he has anything to do with. Um, and so now um, they're considering pivoting to his wife and maybe killing him off. That's kind of interesting, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I only watched the first two seasons of House Cards. It just kind of, I, I liked it overall, but it did kind of lose my interest after a while. But Me too, for from, sure. Right, but from what I've heard, uh, well, and I mean, I always found Claire Underwood's character more interesting anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Albeit, albeit hard to like sometimes. Right, oh, I mean, hard to like, I mean, I say, like, in a despicable way. I mean, like, in a Lady Macbeth type sense. I mean, oh, certainly, that's certainly. What the whole show is based on um, this kind of Mac Macbeth, Lady Macbeth couple. Um, so, I mean, I, for fans still interested who want to see the conclusion, I think that is, they were kind of building toward that. It seemed, based on what I've read, it seemed like they were building to that anyway, of her um, taking the leader role and 
So it would eventually deal with his demise anyway. But yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, that's the trajectory of the show, as far as I understand it. What do you think of that, Jordan? Pivoting for reasons beyond their control, but then trying to make something creative out of it anyway. I mean, I've seen positive response to it on Twitter, as far as people really like the Robin Wright character. Right. Um. Again, I'm not super invested in House of Cards. Uh. It's it's, but I I think it's the right response. I think a lot of um. Yeah. You know, it's it's as opposed uh, to just saying as opposed to just saying, you know, shut the door down. As, yeah. as the, I mean, those are the options I'm discussing here. The, the right. third option of yeah. keeping Spacey on, that's not even the topic. Right. Um, you know, the, and the, it would, I, I mean, it's just a matter of do we kill it or do we pivot it? You know, right. And pulling I mean, the plug on on the entire show would be disappointing, not only for the fans, but for all the cast and crew involved um, that want to you know, see it through to the end. What were you going to say, Jordan? Oh, I mean, just really that, you know, I mean, I know they're also potentially developing a spinoff as well. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, possibly with a couple different characters, one of which is Stamper, Doug Stamper. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Yeah, the the Fixer, um, which yeah, would be yeah. interesting. Not that there haven't been like 10 Fixer shows already, but sure. whatever. Um, you know, we got Ray Donovan for the Hollywood side. You've got um, Scandal. Um how to get away with murders kind of like that um and about three or four others um so there's enough fixer shows to fill a bucket but i guess another fixer show on netflix or whatever there's so much yeah. stuff on netflix man netflix is just like green bumping. i know it is bumping over there i mean bumping um all right hey jordan did you have any other stories you wanted to throw into the mix or you want to move on to what we've been watching uh i there's nothing major that's happened recently as far as i'm aware so okay all right oh oh i got one quick thing um, we always talk about trailers here. We just saw the new Mutants trailer. Did you see that, Jordan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys think about this? It's I I, had, I hadn't watched it yet because the, the, before I saw Thor. Um, I saw it dropped like a few weeks ago, but... Oh, I hadn't noticed that, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I knew that, yeah, it was going to be more horror-centric, but um, that's all I knew. And yeah, I mean, Jordan and I, were just, we were talking the other day, and... We were. I was asking him about the gifted and where it kind of fits into um, the chronology, cinematic, right? Cinematic universe continuity, and we both kind of laughed at that because we're like, it, does any of them actually intersect? And you know, what? How do we make sense of the X Men movie universe continuity? Um, so I'm perfectly fine with them just kind of letting directors do their own thing, which this very much feels like it doesn't really look to have much if any connection to the other x-men movies in the franchise um but it'll be interesting to see a more horror oriented um but uh, x-men movie uh but yeah i mean the only thing i know about new mutants is that's more of rob liefeld joint uh from the 90s and there have been reboots and reruns since then and it's got that dude charlie heaton from uh, stranger things so that was i didn't know about that until i saw the trailer so that was cool when I saw him in there, I was just like, wait a minute. Isn't that the guy who just got arrested on cocaine charges from Stranger Things? Yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw that, too. <laughs> um, you know that he's British, too? Because I'm watching oh, yeah. the after show. And, yeah, I was like – No, like, it's it's surprising. Yeah. He, he, he definitely seems like, like a down-home, uh, you know, a little bit down-on-his-luck American guy. He's a really good right. actor in that respect. Sure. Um, but when I saw him in this, I was like, wow, um, dude is dude is everywhere lately. Sure. Um, that's, that's really cool. Uh, Jordan, what do you think being a big horror fan and superhero fan? What did you think of that trailer? I mean, I'm interested. It's hard to tell early cause it just kind of looks like a it could be anything horror yeah. trailer right now. 
uh, that just happens to have superheroes in it. We don't even really see their powers much. Uh, so mm-hmm. hopefully it's good. It's yeah. got a good cast. So is this the new X Men movie? Um, not real. Like the no, next there's... big X Men movie is Dark Phoenix Saga, right? Yeah. There's When's three that? Next year. They're all next year. Oh, okay. Deadpool so now X Men is X Men's a franchise now. I a mean, full on cinematic universe. Well, as much Sounds as like those movies are connected, they don't really yeah. put a lot of effort into it. They're okay. all owned by Fox, so yeah, Fox has license to, you know, anyone from Cable, Deadpool, New Mutants to the main X Men. Um, but yeah, next year it's what Deadpool and Cable, New Mutants, and then when's Dark Phoenix? Next year. Yeah, have they set a release date? Probably late, right? It's like November. 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 Okay, yeah, yeah. I sense. still haven't even seen Apocalypse, so I don't know. But. And also, one more thing on the subject. Are any of us excited at all about Justice League? That snuck up on me also. That's like a week from now, or two, a week and a half. Is anybody cautiously, cautiously optimistic. I mean, I'll definitely see it. I'm expecting to at least enjoy parts, if not, you know, have a good time. Um, I just but, can't wait to see some Flash. Can't wait. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ezra Miller up in this piece. Yeah. Give, giving me, uh, giving me that... that that real essential Flash treatment, you know? It's just, like, really to the root of the Barry Allen character. You know what I'm saying? Like, I when I see him, I just I just feel like I'm, like, reading a comic from the 50s, you know? It's just, like, so authentic. Oh, my. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, are you going to uh, – are you excited about it, Jordan? Justice? I, I mean, I'll see it. Justice is coming. All right. All right. So I'll take that for what it's worth. Well, it just um, looks – it looks – it looks very, you know, Zack snyder Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to put it. Yeah, yeah. That, but, it, uh, it almost has become a genre at this point. Very dark. Yeah, um, and just you know, I, I haven't did ever. I know that they're gonna do film. things in the movie like uh, Cyborg is gonna have, uh, say, like catchphrases from the Teen Titans cartoon. They're gonna have the original Superman theme in there, the Danny Elfman Batman theme. So those things will be pretty fun to see. By the uh, way, Superman isn't in the movie, dude. What are you talking about? Didn't you see the, the trailer? Didn't you see the trailer? Superman's not in it, bro. Oh yeah, ha, ha, ha. yeah. He's not in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> even though he's on the uh, poster and it says like you know starring uh, Henry Cavill, but but nah, dude, oh, it's yeah. just flashbacks, bro. Just flashbacks. Well, he was oh. in the last trailer too. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, my joke fucks up. Then sorry. <laughs> it's I, all I, good. I, they release a new trailer like every day. It seems like. Yeah, my my uh, my my Justice League game is not on point. No, I don't blame you for not having seen everyone. Just, yeah, I can't believe. So what if you show up and he's just like, "I'm back," or like, "I well, came because you needed me," or "I hear you're getting the team back together," or some shit like that? Well, I think that the scene we see him in is more of a flashback scene. But then, uh, you know, I mean, of course, there's all kinds of they they've shown the black suit that he's gonna come back in, which is dumb too. But you know, we'll see all, all right. that. Yeah. Alrighty, cool. Yeah. Um, well, you know that what? Is- I'm really. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was saying that's coming up. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know what I'm really excited to talk about? Um, I am really excited, Jordan, to hear what you have been watching, um, because it has been a long, long time since we've gotten to talk about it on the podcast. You and I have talked gaming quite a bit lately, um, but we have not talked at all about all the DC shows that just hit. It is the fall TV season, um, and a lot is going on, and we know nothing of your thoughts. So why don't we start with uh, – it's important, man. we got to get we got to get sure. the scoop. we got to get oh, the I scoop. Agree. There you go. You see that? Kevin Kevin with the credulity. You see that? Um, anyway, uh, so tell us, what is your favorite of the DC shows at the moment? Um, what is the worst? How are they all stacking up? 
Um, well, it's tough. Um, I would, I guess, my favorite is probably Legends of Tomorrow. Easily. Um, really? Yeah, it's just it's it's. What? It became a real It's so show. funny how much you disliked that show in season one. Well, because it was bad then, in was... season one. Yeah. Like, wow. they, they, from the second season on, really reworked it and focused on just leaning into how terrible they the, the heroes on it are. They're very bad at their job, and they make it a point, to the point that in the third season, they, they more or less just kind of admit that, yeah, we're terrible at this, but we get the job done. Uh, you know, we, we screw things up, but then we fix it, is kind of their general ah okay all right um and it helps because the problem with the first season is it was so serious that it made all of the ridiculous time travel loopholes and whatnot they introduced just so glaringly convoluted and and unbelievable but now it's like who cares because that's the whole point of the show and they've messed things up so much that you know whatever the rules are week to week it's in service of a fun story they can do a full like et parody episode and that be the point more so than just exactly how they're fixing time um and so it okay. just makes for a super fun show and it's got a great cast they've leaned into you know how how much of a you know boy scout ray palmer is or how uh like frat broy steel can be and it's uh it it does give a platform finally for uh Sarah Lance played by Katie Lotz who's my favorite Arrowverse character and who finally gets to lead the team uh starting in the second season with Rip Hunter being missing for a good chunk of that um I just like the team they've assembled on the whole they got rid of the Hawks they brought in Vixen they've brought in um Zuri who is a Urzari Zari, who's like a reinterpretation of the Isis character from both the TV, like originally, I think, like a TV show in the 70s and then in 52. Uh, and they've just done a lot of cool things to make the show a lot more enjoyable. I mean, they, they united some of their hammiest villains last season for the Legion of Doom. Um, and did, they, that, did that culminate well? Yeah, I thought so overall. And they're doing more shenanigans this season. They're actually bringing in plot points from the Vixen web series, which I think is pretty cool. Um, Gorilla Grodd's coming back in a few weeks. Constantine's returning to the universe. Uh, in what? Two-parter. Yeah. Oh my god, lots is happening. Yeah, and it's just, it's irreverent fun. Um, and I think that... Is it 22 again this season? No, it's never been 22. Um, I, I thought th- they were jumping to 22 for season 2. No, they went from, I want to I think it was 16 in season 1, then 17 in season 2, and I think they're at 18 for this season. Oh, okay, alright. Um, I've seen about one and a half seasons of that one. I would say the most fun part for me is the bromance that ensues between Ray Palmer and Heatwave. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And they lean lean into the more fun side of things. I mean, there still are dramatic moments, um, but they they let the characters have fun. So I really enjoy that. Uh, Runner-up behind that is probably The Flash. Yeah. if only because it is trying to be more fun. I was a little <laughs> bummed by the start of the season, which just kind of wiped away as much of season three as possible pretty quickly. That was my... Yeah. Yeah, just because it, it set up an interesting status quo, but because they wanted so badly to be like, no, we need to reset, we need to make it fun again, we need to make it more like season one, they kind of just blazed through a lot of that plot yeah. uh, development. A lot, it's a big mistake that a lot of shows make, where they they get feedback, and they're like, your show's too dark, your show's too dark. And then they throw away the baby with the bathwater. 
um, they take out like the fun. Like, okay, so if you spend a whole season building up some dark shit and people are kind of complaining that your show's dark, that doesn't mean that they want you to take all that shit that you just invested in emotionally and throw it out. That is not what people mean. Like, if you want to do a pivot that takes gradual time and, like, kind of gives a lighter tone or adds some more humor into the story, I mean, I haven't seen any of, of season two and three, but I. I hate that. I've seen that in a lot of shows. Um, Revenge was a great example. It's like all of a sudden Emily's pregnant and, oh, no, she's not anymore. Um, and like some people just make offhand comments about a miscarriage over the summer um, because they wanted a new tone and they had new showrunners. I, I hate when that happens. It really bums me out. I Well, my thing was I really love the dynamic between Wally, Cisco, and then Iris as the team leader in that first episode. And I wish that had lasted at least for that episode and then – Maybe they brought Barry back at the very end and then did it as a two-parter. And there's so much... I mean, that's what they should have done with Flashpoint last season, too. And if any show can do that, it's them because they have, you know, was it 23 episodes a season? Ridiculous number of episodes. Way too many, if you ask me. I think... I, I I agree that it should have been extended. I don't think it was so disastrous. They did finish the no, storyline. No. Like, it was wrapped up. It's just... They could have done, you know, I, I get wanting that impulse because if people were dropping off the show, they wanted it to come back strong because premieres are usually going to be your most watched episode. And if the goal was right. to sure. be, here is the promise of what season four is going to be, I get it to that extent. And and so far it's been, it's borne out. I think it has been a much lighter, more goofy, Silver Age feeling season. Um, I think the biggest problem so far is it's it's leaning into that a lot and it hasn't fully gotten going with the big overall seasonal conflict or where things are going specifically. Um, but that said, I, you know, it's had like one of my single favorite episodes just last week with the introduction of Ralph Dibney, who's one of my favorite DC characters. Um, and he's an immediately charming addition to the cast. So I, who plays them? Um, oh, I forget. I think it's like Sawyer Hartley. (laughs) Oh, it's nobody we know. Okay. No. Yeah. It's not anyone, uh, famous, but it, it is just an actor who does a really good job of capturing kind of a goofier, tone for the character and brings a new energy uh they they did they jettisoned characters from season three almost completely with like a off a wave-handed line like um uh tom felton's character is just gone so it's yeah well i was it because uh uh, he just didn't have time to come back because i i mean i think the writers would have been happy to you know insert him back either as regular or guest but it seems like that was more Felton's choice to leave. I don't know, but... I don't know. I don't think he was the most successful addition to the cast, so... Okay, I liked him, but I don't know. Uh, oh, dude. So Ralph Ralph Dibney is the elongated man who is a private investigator. Yes. Oh, I love it. I like his suit. I like his tie. He looks cool, man. They do a lot really, really well just in that first episode to sell the character, the powers, the personality. So I'm, I'm super excited. He's a recurring character this season, so uh, I hope he will be a, a good addition to the team. Nice. Nice. Okay, um, so we got I'm, the best two. Um, I mean, I, honestly, nobody's missing this season. I just want to make that clear because like, these are the, le- the bottom two, but no one has had a bad season so far it's been strong across the board let me guess though let me guess uh arrow's the worst no arrow is third to me oh wow okay wow, great. Tell us the bottom okay all right let's hear it <laughs> arrow is just doing a great job this season of you know continuing on from what i think is 
you know, it's hard to say fully in retrospect yet, but might be its strongest season. It's certainly its second strongest season. Uh, season five was a really good year for the show. They really? expanded it. Introduced was it the final the final Islands year? It was the final year of the Island flashbacks, yeah. Last um, year was. And this year is now, what do they do now? There's no flashbacks. I mean, there oh. are occasionally flashbacks if it's, like, plot relevant. The premiere flashback, because it jumped ahead six months. All of the super, uh, all of the Arrowverse shows jumped ahead six months. Basically oh, for okay. That's cool. But you know the episode. And, and then if that, they they do that they do that like 50, new fifty two thing that fifty two did right where they flash forward a year in that and then they they had a whole series about what happened in that year so in this case they jump ahead six months and they can flash back to what happened no, in those six. I mean months. they no? do just that first episode. It's not it's oh, not okay. like a thing. There's not huge plot developments. It's just kind of they ended on a big cliffhanger and the flashbacks helped clear up what happened in the immediate aftermath and now there's just no it. flashbacks. I got it. Um, oh, wow, that's crazy. All right, that's bold. There are certain elements, like uh, Slade Wilson has, like, a two-part episode coming up, and they've said they're going to do Slade flashbacks for that, but... Oh, okay. Cool. You know, that that is the extent of it, really. Um, but no, it's, it's gone in a different direction. It's introduced new elements to Oliver Queen's life. It's, it's doing a good job of juggling a fairly large team at this point. I mean, there's a total of five or six... There's six people on Team Arrow right now. Um, so it's a crowded house, but it's doing a good job of balancing all their storylines. It's doing a good job. I think a better job this season than last of the whole Oliver Queen as mayor storyline and making it feel more relevant. Um, and it's just, you know, again, it's still the, I think six seasons in, it is the best at knowing what show it is just inherently and what the best version of that show is. Um, and so it just feels... It's a well-oiled machine at this point where they're doing a good job of telling stories and making it engaging week to week. And um, so far, again, it's early days for all of these shows, so the, the overarching plot. But, you know, it's the one that so far has made no mention of what its big bad for the season is, really. Mm, and yet still has your attention. Yeah, it still has my attention. It's an interesting status quo, and I'm excited to watch more and more of it. Um, awesome. Awesome. Okay, what are you in, like, episode six at this point on yeah, all of them? only to four. Oh, okay. That's right. You said the other one was too too ahead. Yeah, um, yeah. All right, bring us bring us home. What's Supergirl uh, doing? And how can the show that was your favorite, what, a year ago, be your fourth now? I know well, you said it's not bad, but... Well, I mean, yeah, no, Supergirl's second season, I think, was also by... No, no, it was ahead of The Flash. I think it was, like, third last season. Um, but I think it's doing the same thing that <laughs> both Arrow and The Flash did. It's in its third season, and it feels like... It's probably going to be its darkest season. Um, okay. Now, I don't think... So far, it's not been so ruinous, like... And I don't think The Flash or Arrow started off that way. Um, in their third seasons, where it was just, like, immediately awful to watch. But, you know, with the events of Season two's finale, it's really put things in a darker mood. And I actually think it's had some of its strongest episodes. It did a whole episode about, like, a cult forming around Supergirl from the people that she saved that was really good. That sounds um, good. It had a whole episode set on Mars that was all about the uh, Martian Manhunter, who's one of the best characters on the show. It's had very strong episodes, but just it's overall had a more dour tone, where it's just not as fun to watch as the other shows. It's still very good. It's still well-written. Um, it's still asking big questions and doing things with the story, and you know it definitely seems to still be going that way, just knowing what tomorrow's episode is about. But... It just overall is the least fun to watch, and I, I, I think that's it. the biggest issue. It's not that it's bad in any way, it's just it's going for a darker, more serious tone on the whole, so it's just, 
uh, a little more of a, a, you know, emotional investment as opposed to how fun The Flash or Legends is. Got I it. will say, though, Flash Season 3 did take a little longer to get more gloomy and that kind of thing, but Arrow Season 3 started off on that tone pretty early on. I mean, he, like, Ollie was pretty much just so, oh, like, emo-ish and just really distant from everyone. It was... There were some tragic events that had happened at the end of season two that, of course, led to that. But I thought it did start off with a pretty gloomy tone from the beginning and sure, kind sure. of maintained it throughout. Well, I think that's actually one of the things that makes season six so strong. At this point, he's evolved so much. He tends to be the wise old one telling people not to brood and helping yeah. them out of it. I like that. The other way around that it was. I like that a lot. Started. And like, when you had to have when you had to have his uh, who's his partner in crime. Um, Diggle. Diggle be like the the voice of reason to pull him yeah. out of the slump. He almost yeah. yeah. At this point in the show, he's almost never in that funk. Like except like towards the very end of the season when you know the, the everything is, is at its darkest. Then he gets a little bit, but it's not like a week to week thing. Really, he's pretty well adjusted for a vigilante who goes out shooting people with arrows every night. Nice, nice, awesome. Um, um what uh what else you been watching, man? Anything else of uh, of note? Ah, uh, that's a lot bit. of TV to, to to keep up with. I mean, I, I've been enjoying sitcoms. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is still on point. Uh, what is that, season four? Season five. Oh, my God. Well, that's a great show. I love that show, but I've only seen the first season. It's yeah, fun. It's been really fun. Um, I'm still watching Speechless, enjoying that. They did kind nice. of their own Treehouse of Horror episode, which was fun. Mm-mm. That was nice. fun. Uh, oh, you're like up on Kenneth, it, too, Kevin. I like Kenneth in, the, there's, in that episode, the Halloween one. Um, he de- Kenneth dresses up as all the different versions of Michael Jackson. Uh, he, so he's definitely been probably the biggest scene stealer this season. I mean, he was really charismatic and fun last season too. Um, but yeah, he gets some really great moments to shine this season. Yeah, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm trying to think. Like I said, checked out The Gifted a little. Um, probably the bigger thing. The biggest show um, that I'm still... I'm trying to think through them all in my head. There's a lot. I'm watching Riverdale. Uh, it's as ridiculous. Oh, season two. Yeah, over the top as ever. I'm enjoying that. How how uh, how well did season one end? I didn't get to ask you. I, I thought it ended well. It ended with... Did the, it have a good a good conclusion? Uh, did they solve the crime uh, satisfactorily? Like, were I, would I enjoy it, do you think? Probably. Okay. Like, was it Veronica Marzi? At least that level of... of yeah, of... I would say so. Okay. So that was good. Still watching Jane the Virgin, just probably one of the best shows on TV across the board. You know, it's Still. four seasons in. It just does great work. Um, there's a lot of TV. Uh, the, I guess the biggest other show on network TV is uh, The Good Place, which is having just a phenomenal second season with just a bunch of creative turns and twists and imagery. And uh, it just went into its uh, hiatus for the winter, so it won't be back till January. And you're bumming about it. Yeah, but no, it's just been a very strong season. It ended on a cliffhanger, which it should, um, or a bigger cliffhanger than, you know, it's weekly cliffhangers. Uh, and it's it's a super fun show. So I'm, I'm really into that. Um, on the Netflix side of things, let's see. The, you know, I started Stranger Things 2 yesterday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm two episodes into that. Uh, it's enjoyable. Um, and then I guess the the biggest show recently for Netflix, because The Punisher's still a few weeks out, um, 
American Vandal is probably one of my favorite shows of the year. Oh, I, dude, I saw it. Yeah, I loved that show. I'm super I jazzed. It yeah, I'm super jazzed. It's getting a second season. Is uh, that official now? It is official. Yeah, they is released it gonna a. Is it going to be following those characters? It's going to follow the same uh, documentarians. I don't know the further setting, or but probably the same school. Oh my god! Well, let me just say, uh, based on your recommendation and a few other friends of mine that had seen it and loved it, I watched it and I was. It, it's on my top ten list for sure for the year as well. No question. Maybe top five. It is stunningly entertaining brilliant characterizations the characters in that are so real so funny like for example the the history teacher who like says like really inappropriate things yeah he's awesome um i know people like that that just like spot spout off at the mouth and then like you know get the repercussions and then like try to act like it's okay i mean just really well done the mean teachers like i went to a school that had some teachers like that that were kind of out to get certain students um and like the student never had a chance i've seen that um the whole thing was just hilarious entertaining i really didn't expect i didn't know how it was going to do what was it eight episodes eight yeah i had no idea how it was going to pull eight episodes out of that concept and it could have gone for double that time and i would have been entertained it is just a fantastic show it really was i mean it wasn't just one long dick joke i mean there were plenty no. of dick jokes <laughs> plenty many yeah. of them but it managed to expand and create a very interesting world full of characters that had a surprising amount of depth and realism yeah. to being like high school students so. it's as good than any of those teen dramas that you see even though the focus of it was much more on you know the social commentary and the humor i still ended up liking him for example a ton um i was very disappointed at what happened at the end but i think that's the point um it's a very dour uh, ending for a joke show (laughs) yeah they, they i didn't love the ending i get what they were doing i get where they were going with that um and, 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 you know, the whole thing is kind of realistic, as funny as it is, and they wanted to keep it realistic in the end. And I get that and the statement that they make with it. I would have rathered if they'd put a finer point on the ending personally. But, you know, so it goes. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, and, yeah, on the TV front, that I think is all the major shows. I mean, there's a lot, so I'm probably forgetting something, but. Uh... Oh, there'll be time. We have We have future episodes to. Oh, 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 I, oh, yeah, I yeah. did catch up finally. I was in season two. I think I'm now just a couple weeks behind. I caught up on The Last Man on Earth, so I basically watched the whole third season of that. Oh, okay. Um, really enjoy that show. It, I, I, I think I just I like it more in big chunks, so I probably will just let the fourth season play out. I, I like is getting it really still, invested. Is it still good after? Um, uh, I, I almost I don't want to spoil too much, but the the I really liked. Um, let me see. Uh, the 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 black guy um, what was his name. Uh, oh, uh, Phil. No. Yeah, yeah. The other Phil. Yeah, yeah. I loved him, and I was really worried when he wasn't going to be on the show anymore that it was going to really lose something. Does it? I think it it does a good job of continually introducing, not never too many, but introducing new characters and new uh, dynamics that keep it fresh. Okay, because I was really like I, – I just fell in love with that character and just loved that arc and was so into it. And I just felt that was premature, and it kind of turned me off the show, and I stopped at that point. I guess that's halfway through season two, right? Yeah. Um, um, no, season so three – it's worth going back, huh? Yeah, season three introduced Kenneth Choi uh, as a, a new character, and he was honestly one of my favorite characters of the show. So I, I've been really happy about that. Um, 
ever since season two started, they've continued this tradition of killing, of having a famous celebrity cameo and be immediately killed off. Oh, yeah, I saw, I, I saw one of those. Um, and season three had a very funny one because they January Jones is a main cast member, so she shot John Hamm in the chest in the, in the season three <laughs> premiere. Uh, so was a fun meta joke. Um, which isn't a major spoiler. Again, they just p- these people no, tend to just enough. pop up and get murdered almost. It immediately. was Will Ferrell in your in year two. Yeah, he just just appears and then like dies of a heart attack on the on the yeah beach. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a fun show. They. They keep expanding the world um, in interesting ways and pushing the characters to new places. So I'm, uh, I'm a fan of it. I think week to week, it's just because of the way it plays out. It it not a lot happens. It's a weird show because it it has to be funny on a weekly level, but it also has this big plot that progresses. So it's it's an interesting watch. All right, word. word. Uh, so that's all um, on the watching TV side um, for me. Why don't we dive over to Kevin on some TV? Okay, um, what I've been watching, well, beyond Stranger Things, uh, this is the, I had forgotten to mention this on last week's episode, because um, I, of course, binged season two in one day. When one day, out. dude. Uh-huh, I did. Um, and once you get to the end of season two, it unlocks an after show that, uh, it, it's seven episodes, I think. I have, think I have two more to go. Um, but it's actually really good. It's a... Uh, this one guy hosting it, and he interviews mainly the Duffer Brothers and Jim Sean Rash, right? TV. Just to give yes, no. yeah, Jim Rash, that's the name. Yes, um, yeah, bald guy, really cool, big fan of the show. Uh, and so he has the Duffer Brothers and Sean Levy, who's one of the main directors, producers on most of the episodes, and then different cast members in each episode. And it's a it's a really quality after show because. Uh, usually my beef with after shows is that they'll bring in outside celebrities uh, who are just fans of the show just to kind of talk about their opinions and that kind of thing. But they rarely get into really nitty gritty inside info that I want to hear about this. It's totally inside baseball type things, all the things awesome. of, uh, they, you know, the, and what's really cool about this season is uh, obviously the Duffer brothers are from uh, North Carolina and, uh, from Durham, and they were able to inject a lot of North Carolina references into this season, just in the names of like street signs and like and neighborhood routes and that kind of thing. Uh, so that made for a lot of fun. And they talk about that. They talk about growing up. They share a lot of funny stories. Um, but yeah, it's got all the kid actors on there, um, the teenage ones. Uh, David Harbor so far has only been uh, he wasn't able to meet them when they were recording the show so he sent in tapes of him talking about his character um so he's in it in that way uh but i, they I talk- haven't had a i haven't had a chance to say this to you jordan yet um david harbour is like my acting hero he is so freaking good the man in that show like he carries that show for me the teens are great but if it weren't for david harbour i, I wouldn't like it he's like 50 percent of why i love that show anyway <laughs> do you like him yeah i enjoy him i'm, I'm excited for hellboy Right, right. I know. So, uh, anyway, sorry, like, sorry to interrupt, Kev. Oh no, no, it's all. I mean, I'm happy to talk about this. So it's you know that image of him in the Hellboy costume. It was amazing how much it looked like Ron Perlman. People couldn't distinguish the two. <laughs> and yeah, that, he'll I, do it total justice. The dude is yeah. a is a he is a find. I don't know what he was doing before this. Um, obviously something. 
Um, but man, he's like the next, like, in my opinion, like Christoph Waltz or, um, you know, any of those kind of people that like just were under the radar and now like they are going to blow up because they're so talented. Right. Oh, I mean, and I, I, we were talking about it last week. I didn't know then kind of what his background was. I looked him up after. Yeah. Yeah. He mainly had in film and TV. He mainly had supporting roles. And I mean, he was in a few movies and, uh, you know, he's always been acting for a long time, but never a big lead role like this. And so that's why people didn't really know him. Um, Well, they do now. That that they in the way they do now exactly that role could have been so boring like the the, right. the neighborhood cop a sheriff uh, who, yeah yeah used to be used to be a big guy had a, a big guy and a big you know big city cop in Chicago yeah. or whatever um he had to leave because you know his daughter died and um you know he's he's down on his luck he drinks too much he smokes too much he sleeps around he's got a little bit of a gut. He's super cool, but really doesn't give a fuck because he's trying really hard not to give a fuck. That is, archetype is so common and so boring, and yet in this instance, it was just riveting. Every time he was on the screen, I was fascinated. I was fascinated to watch him brush his teeth and smoke a cigarette at the same time. I was interested to watch him like go out on the deck and just look off into space and wonder what the dude's thinking or the, the speeches he would give and the way that they didn't drag out how long he was in disbelief about the supernatural shit. They didn't make it go seven episodes till he finally was like, oh, my God, you're right. You know, they made him a smart fucking dude. And a lot of these small town sheriff types, they don't I don't know. I just think they nailed that character. Oh, absolutely. And And, she was perfect for it. Oh, gosh, yes. Well, and that's the thing is watching the after show and hearing the Duffer brothers talk about the evolution of the characters. They said that they kind of intentionally wrote a lot of them at first as kind of these stereotypes and would let them evolve from there. Because uh, they knew that the casting would be one of the most instrumental components of the show. And it absolutely was. And so once they were they had everything one casted. That's when, like, characters like Steve, for instance, was not intended to go for as anywhere. Long as he, he was just yeah. going to be like the the douchey right. guy who like gets in her pants kind of idea. Right. They were. I mean, they did not plan. You on... could see that that was the case. Like, in season in the first episode when he's saying her name and seducing her and stuff, right. it's right. like so clear that that was the initial intention. And the right. fact that it starts there and evolves just adds a lot to it because I was very surprised. Yeah, because they said once they cast to Joe Carey, they were like oh, this guy's got too much charm, too much charisma. We can't get rid of him and just throw him away as a one-note character. Like, we need to see where this goes. And especially in season two, he becomes arguably the best character on the show. That's unbelievable. Um, That's unbelievable. a real big fan favorite. Unreal. Unreal. Yeah. So that's been a lot of fun watching. Other than that, I haven't watched a whole lot in the last week, um, but reading, I read the second volume of Jupiter's Legacy the other day. Oh, yeah, you were telling me. Yeah, and um, I was, uh, yeah, Jordan, I was telling Rich about this, and so I'm, uh, this was supposed to be the big finish to the Jupiter saga, uh, because prior to this, Mark Millar had done um, a volume of Jupiter's Legacy to kickstart the series, those five issues, and then two volumes of the prequel, uh, Jupiter Circle, and uh, which is an unusual way to do a saga like this, have more prequel issues out than um that of the main series but it actually ends up working pretty well and i really i mean it's probably my favorite mark millar creator own title and yeah so you've been you've been all about it from day one. Oh yeah i mean it's i mean oh, it's not you know the it definitely does draw on a lot of things elements from like watchmen x-men it's nothing you know 
I would say we haven't seen before, but it's just the way it's done and how well it's illustrated and how good the storytelling is. I just really enjoyed it. Uh, and so, but anyway, I was expecting this volume to be uh, the big finish because, you know, it's about uh, the the children of the superheroes, you know, fighting the bad guys, you know, their evil uncle and et cetera, and taking the world back uh, and starting a new age of peace, et cetera. But uh, so I finished the volume, turned the page, and then, you know, right at the on the bottom page, it says, Jupiter's Requiem coming 2019. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, I mean. I there, love that it's Requiem too. Oh, I know. Yeah, I mean, that's it's just like it's. It could. It might as well just say Jupiter's fuck you. Right. Right. Pretty much. I mean, by the last sort of vignette, um, in that last issue, yeah, there are teases of what of how the story could progress from here, um, with the son of the main characters. But still, I was. It felt pretty conclusive, and he is you know, setting this up so there. hard. Just setting this up so hard to be like a Netflix show. Oh gosh, yes, you know. It's it. just like, dude, it's gonna be all about legacy, man. Yeah. And about yep. how like, you know, it's a superhero show, but it's about multi generational families, yep. man. Yeah. I can just hear it except with a British accent and a little bit more pompous. Well, he's Scottish, but yeah. Uh Scottish accent. Yeah, 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 yeah. But oh yeah, so it, oh it's definitely I mean, as soon as he signed that deal and I read an interview the other day and he said there, nothing is off the table as far other than Kickass and Kingsman because those are already adapted. Uh, but uh, and any of his other creator-owned titles, they're no, all no, no, no. There's other ones that are that are spoken for, aren't there? I thought that um, like Stardust was already was already positioned somewhere, and there's a couple others. Starlight, I don't. Well, I mean, there were a bunch in development before this deal happened. So. Oh, but those might have been uh, undone. Yeah, and deal. I mean, okay. And there was no, you know, I mean, American Jesus, maybe, I don't know, but because uh, that got announced like a year ago, I think. But I think this has kind of changed everything. So. Listen to this, dude. There's nothing off the table. My, yeah, my, oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah. library is complete and ready for Netflix. Pretty much, it. yeah. My accent's terrible. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, Save you um, yeah, to tell it, me. it will be interesting seeing which ones come to fruition there, uh, you know. What kind of budget they can get? Don't forget, though, nothing is off the table. Oh yes, oh yeah, absolutely. All right, All right. so um, you know, because oh know. yes. <laughs> but so that, and then Jordan, I also I started reading. I've only a couple issues in, but I started reading the first volume of Four Kids Walking to a Bank. Have you read that? I have not. I've read um, We Can Never Go Home, which is also by Matthew. Oh, okay, okay. But I have not okay. read that yet because the trade. I was waiting on the trade. Yeah, they, it just came. It, they had a bunch. Um, at the shop the other day on display. What is this? It's called Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. It's a Black Mask title. And it's it's very... It's along the lines of Stranger Things, kind of, but without the fantasy elements, but... Oh, really? Just without um, that element, huh? Yeah, like, Four Kids has that... <laughs> so it's, it's like Stranger Things, and that there's four kids in it. Well, Four Kids, and it has, like, a really interesting black humor. Uh, there's a certain nostalgia to it. And yeah, basically their dad has ties to, has some ties with this uh, band of criminals and they're trying to uncover that mystery. And yeah, I mean, Jordan, you'd really like it because it's got a little bit of horror, a little bit of black humor. Uh, the art is really fantastic. And I mean, and again, I'm only a couple of issues in, but it's one you would like a lot, a lot. No, it's definitely one that's on my list of books to check out. There are a lot of books I want to check out. Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I it's, I'll tell you, um, 
I got some major FOMO with <laughs> NC Comic Con next weekend and not being able to be there. Ah, uh, we're gonna miss you this year. So yeah. That's... Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a bummer. But um, on the topic of comics, while we're on it, Jordan, how about you? Because I don't have anything particularly to talk about. What have you been reading? Anything of note? Um, well, uh, a little of everything. I, I've finally been rereading Fables. Um, from the nice. beginning. Man, that's a good series. Yeah, which is one of the first comics that got me back into comics in a major way around 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, and me too. Same with Why the Last Man, which I've been rereading. Uh, I've had the first hardcover of that for the longest time, um, but just hadn't read it again. Uh, but now it's been long enough. I mean, it's been about a decade, so I think it's probably okay to, to reread it with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see... Still been, you know, pecking here and there at Valiant Books. I've been reading Imperium and enjoying that. Uh, I'm trying to think. Batman Detective Comics, the Tinian run. Nice. I'm enjoying that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've been, a good bit of Rebirth I've read. The Flash I've really enjoyed. Batman Detective Comics. Batman by Tom King. Um, How far oh, are you except for that first, Except for that first volume, right? First volume? Of, of Tom King's Batman, everybody talks about it not being that great. Am I wrong about that? I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember what it was about. Uh, no, I, That's I mean, the one with Gotham. Yeah, and yeah, Gotham no, Girl. I didn't mind it. I liked it. Oh, I okay. think he's definitely building a long-term narrative. Um, and I've heard nothing. How from... far are you? I'm in... oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I finished the Bane, um, arc. Okay, um, yeah, that was my favorite so far. Uh, oh, yeah. I, the, I think the War of Jokes and Riddles trade is coming out actually in a month or so. so That's I'll a fucking phenomenal name. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's gotten it's really like, good praise, too. Oh, it's gotten stellar reviews, and it's sort of like what Snyder did with uh, Zero Year when he was doing his run, because um, he had done you know, three big story arcs, and then he went back and did a flashback arc. That's what this one is. It's awesome. Taking place Sounds great. During that time. It sounds great. So it's a zero year story. Well, I'm down. I love the name of it. That sounds great. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I have. Um, I'm trying to think. There's been a lot. I'm always re. I mean, I've always. I've got so much books. I mean, I still have books from Heroes Con. I haven't gotten to yet. Um, yeah, if you think of it, you can pop it back in. Yeah. The only other big one, I guess. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I, the, I, I guess those are the big ones. I'm trying to think of something else, but really, it's just been a lot of DC, a lot, some Valiant stuff like that. I, I'm always reading, so you know. All right, word. Um, on that note, let me talk about a little bit of the stuff that I've been checking out. So I have um, watched a couple things. One of which is Spectre, um, that James Bond movie. Um, have you guys seen that one? I heard it was really bad. I have really? Not seen it. Who says it's bad? It's supposed to be bad. I don't know. I heard, like, not great things. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, anyway, I was in the mood for spies. Um, yeah. Somebody, a friend of mine was talking about a bunch of, like, real-life spy stuff, and I was like, I want to watch some spy shit. So sure. I popped in Spectre, which I think I found at, like, a pawn shop or a thrift store or something I was shopping at um, for, like, three bucks. So I picked it up, and then, like, I had it in stock, and I was like, I'm going to pop that in. Same thing with Star Trek Beyond. I have that sitting on my shelf that I need to watch still. There's just a lot of a lot of those kind of movies that are, like, big tentpole films that I just never got to. Um interestingly thor the dark world is one of those believe it or not uh i actually only saw the first and third thors which is something i never do so maybe i'm evolving or devolving depending on how you look at it um along with other stuff that's either bad or questionable um check this out 
I watched this show called Dimension 404. Have you heard of this? Yeah, it's on Hulu, right? Yes. Do you know what it is? I think Patrick or Patton Oswalt's in it. Well, one of them. So it is, get this, a comedy version of Black Mirror. Oh, I have heard about it. Okay, yeah. Okay, I mean, that's that's my best description of it. It is fucking horrendous. It's so bad. It's so bad. The first episode is called Matchmaker, right? And it is this dude, and he's hanging out with his buddy, who's played by Badger from Breaking Bad. And his buddy Badger's like, hey, man, you're not, you know, you can't, you're not finding any girls. You should check out this dating app I've got right here. It's called Matchmake. And he's just like, I don't know. I'm kind of like the stiff upper lip, you know, roommate who doesn't really think I want to get into online dating. And Badger's like, nah, man, you got to check it out. It's a great app. So he gets him on there and oh my God, he gets a hundred percent match with this perfect girl. So he goes on a date with her and it's going really well. Um, it keeps going really well, and everything he says is exactly what she loves. So he's like, I love this indie band, and she's like, I love that indie band. And then he's like, uh, I love this sport, except I like to do it in this special way. She's like, oh my god, me too. And it's like too good to be true. Um, two months go by, he's home talking to Badger, and uh, Badger's just like, so how's it going, man? And he's like, I, I love this girl. I'm thinking about telling her. Badger's like, no, man, don't tell her. Don't move too fast. I'm telling you. Um, and so then, And it's all really hammy. If you can't tell. Um, and so then he goes and like he, he's they're having a nice dinner and then all of a sudden he can't help it. He's like, fuck it. We're perfect for one another. I love you. And she's like, nope, nope, can't have it. Can't have it. That's it. And, and he's just like, what? What? She's like, I think you should leave. He's like, no, but you don't get it. We're meant for each other. She pulls out her cell phone and swipes left. If you know what that means. Yeah. Um, uh, in uh, Tinder um, and in this app, it just means that you're you're not interested. So she does that, and all of a sudden, like a bunch of like big thugs, boot 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 jack thugs come in, and they pick him up and they like haul him out of the place. And so like he wakes up in this facility hosted by Joel McHale, where Joel McHale is like a matchmaker guy, and he's like, uh, guess what? Uh, she wasn't made perfectly for you. You were made for her in this special, uh, you know, reproducing of human process that we have developed here. So now you have uh, basically you're the sixth version of you that we've made, and all six of them have not been quite right for her. So basically, she's paying big money. She's a doctor. She's too busy to date. So she like gets clones made of her perfect guy. And so there's basically six versions of him in this like room, and he gets put in this room. There's like an emo him. There's a jock him. There's a something else him, and they're all making dumb comments and shit. And they're and as you can hear from this part. Parts of it sound good. You know, some of it's pretty entertaining when he goes in there and there's six versions of him and, like, they all made, like, different faux pas that people make in relationships. So, like, there's some interesting parts. But at the end of the day, it comes down to, like, he has to make this decision because he's so depressed and they're working on making the seventh clone. Um, and he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to try to I'm going to try to, like, sneak in for the seventh clone and pretend to be him. He gets caught and then they say, dude, and then Joel McHale has a meal with him and he's like, man. You can never be with her again. That's just the way the world works. However, what you can do, um, he's like, uh, he's like, you're never gonna get out of here. Um, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a cow. Cow doesn't get to ever leave the slaughterhouse, but the steak does. And then, like, the idea is that he's got to go in this special machine that like melts him down to be used as like material for the next clone. And like he's like fuck it, I'm doing it. So he goes and he's. I mean, you you hear what this is? It's just lunacy. It just takes the Black Mirror idea and it just. And then there's a little more in the end that's that's just whatever. Um, 
I think, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's like take Black Mirror, remove the stakes, remove like the drama, um, throw in some weird ideas. And that one I was like, okay, this was like a 5.5 or a 6, but it was watchable. Then the second episode came on and it was with, um, uh, that was the one with what's his name in it, uh, Patton Oswalt. And like five minutes in, I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen on TV, period. It's that bad. Um, so needless to say, do not watch Dimension 404. And what's interesting is that – unless that sounded good to you. What's interesting though is that there are actually like four shows now that are all this concept. Um, there's Black Mirror obviously, which season four is coming. Um, and then there's um, uh, Electric Dreams or something like that. It's called Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, and I am yeah, so pumped for that. That's the novel that Blade Runner is based on, so it's going to be... No, 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 you're talking... No, no, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep is that novel. Not oh, that okay, okay. This, oh, no, right, right. This is a show called Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, and what it is is an anthology series. You're right, it's a takeoff on that title. Um, right, okay, but yeah. The but the idea is this is an anthology series like Black Mirror based on Philip K. Dick ideas and new ideas. That's cool. Does yeah. that sound amazing or what? Oh, I heard uh, I was listening to the Nerdist podcast the other day and Greg Kinnear was talking about it. And yeah, it's. Oh, it oh sounds, OK. So, so you know exactly what it is. Yeah, it sounds fascinating. It looks great. I think Brian Cranston is involved in some way. I mean, it's going to be really sweet. And then there was another one that I was hearing about that was Black Mirrorish. And then there's this one, um, which this one is just a you know piece of dog shit. But whatever. Um, there's lots of Black Mirror content coming out. So if you're into the, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. What what do you call Black Mirror, right? Um cautionary tale drama oh. <laughs> sci-fi <laughs> cautionary tale um anyway so that so that was one bad thing that i watched um in the middle of the road right now for me is mr robot um i'm guessing beyond guessing jordan that you are not even considering watching season three am i correct well i don't have cable and i thought it was dumb so yes i'm probably not gonna watch it <laughs> the dumb second is maybe a strong be... word i just i thought it was a meandering you know mess the second yeah. season yeah. Well, it look from all indications, season three is going to get better. Um, I watched the first episode, and, and uh, um, Kevin and I both did, and we had a. Uh, I had to convince him. I had to uh, uh, twist his arm to watch it. Um, <laughs> but um, but he did. Thank thanks, Kevin. Um, oh no worries. And we had a chat about it and, on the last episode, and you know the consensus is that it's interesting. I'm going to go on with it. I love that show's tone and the world that it creates. Even though it's kind of ludicrous, they did this really weird political pandering in the first episode that I just thought was way out of place. Not because of any political views I have, but just because it was way weird. It was like trying – so the thing about Mr. Robot that's great is it it's its own world. Like there is no way that shit could ever happen. They're talking about e-coin and this just weird shit and everything is just like surreal in that show. And then they tried to like bring in like American U.S. politics. It's just like – that it, it just it, it, the two disconnect, and whenever even whenever they show Barack Obama in the show, I'm just like, why is he on there? Like this is a different. Well, they did world. it. Yeah, they did it some in season two. That's then, what I mean. Yeah, right. right. And, and I hate that. I just think yeah. it's like, dude, this is you've said yourself that this is a different world. It is not our world. It's related, but it is not. Anyway, I just think that's a big misstep. Whether you do it with Obama or Trump or whatever you do it with, I just think that's a mistake. But anyway, aside from those missteps, this season looks to be really good. And what they've set up is a really interesting dynamic. I've started watching the second episode. I'm about halfway through. Um, and the dynamic that they've set up is it's Mr. Robot versus Elliot. Um, and so basically Mr. Robot's out at night. Elliot's out during the day. Elliot is now has a job at E Corp, um, that he got from, uh, Angela. Um, and, uh, he works there during the day trying to fix the own, the, the nine, the O nine hack or whatever you call it. I always forget. Um, 
And then at night, Mr. Robot comes out and tries to fuck up the world. Um, and it's really an intriguing dynamic. I love – and Kevin and I, we, we both discussed this last week. I love the – there's this great scene between him and Angela um, where you know he talks about how she has a power saver mode because in relationships, whenever somebody gets too close or whenever she actually has real feelings, she shuts down and closes them off. Um, he calls it her power saver mode. I think that show is best when it's using um, – you know, the, the 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 digital world and computers and concepts related to computers and uses those as analogies for like humans, because in this age, we really are a lot more zero and one than we ever were before. So it's very interesting. I think that it's a really good one to one comparison point. And in this one, they use the idea of the undo and uh, how he wishes he could, you know, hit the undo button. And, and that's a little on the nose, but it's still pretty interesting. Um, but what I really like about it is when he gets, it's really when Rami is on the screen. When Rami Malik is on the screen, he's a commanding presence. And when he starts talking and you doing his little, like, uh, narration, uh, like he's sitting there with his psychiatrist and, you know, he's talking about what he's really thinking. And then he says something that's totally unrelated to what he's really thinking. Um, those kind of scenes that made season one so good, uh, seem to be back. So I'm definitely enjoying it. I'm definitely in it for the long haul. I want to see where that show goes. And if it's a fiery train wreck, then, uh, I'll, uh, I'll jump out of the way at the last minute, but I want to be there for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then last but not least, um, Alias Grace uh, launched yesterday when we're recording this, or, or two days ago. We're recording this on a Sunday. It launched on Friday. Are you guys familiar with what this is? No. Uh, Jordan? Uh, sorry, I missed. Say again. What was it? Ali- Alias Grace. No, I can't say that I have. So so uh, have you have you guys seen uh, Handmaid's Tale or anything about Handmaid's Tale? Yeah, that I've seen. I've, yeah, I've seen a little bit. Okay, do you see the show, Jordan? The whole thing, or uh, we're about halfway through it. Oh, are you enjoying it? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, anyway, um, that's by uh, Margaret Atwood, who's one of my favorite science fiction slash just fiction authors. Um, she wrote a great book called Oryx and Crake, which is some of the best sci-fi world building I've ever experienced. Handmaid's Tale is really good, although I haven't gotten through it. It's really intense, and you know. It just is. But Alias Grace is another series that was going on, you know, sort of in development at the same time from Sarah Polly, who used to be an actress mainly. And now she's a director, producer. Uh, she was on um, uh, she did that movie Go. If you remember, it was like a club kid kind of caper movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool. And then she also did this interesting documentary about her origins that was also interesting. But anyway, she's doing this. It's a six parter and it's this mystery based on another book by Margaret Atwood, just like Handmaid's Tale. This one, however, is about um a, a woman and it's based on a true story, probably loosely, but it is based in reality, who is an immigrant from Ireland. She comes over here and she has terrible experiences, um, like an abusive father who, you know, molests her and rapes her horribly. Um, you know, just tough money problems, just a tough young life. Then she ends up like in this nice dapper house as like a, a, a maid or a, or a helper. Um, and then it's all inner. Those are flashbacks that are intercut with the current day where she is a murderess who's in jail. Um, and there's a psychologist who has come to talk with her um, and try to like maybe exonerate her or figure out what was going on because she is accused and convicted of killing two people. Um, so it's this really interesting thing. And then obviously the psych- the psychologist who comes to visit her um, is, is they sort of start like making eyes at each other and kind of like falling for each other a little bit. Um, but what's interesting is, you know, it's another – uh, sort of, I, I would call it time out of mind, or, 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 or it displaces a concept that's generally reserved for modern day into a different era. Um, so, like this whole idea of psychology and was she in her right mind? Obviously, there were doctors who thought about those things back in, I guess this was 
I guess this was early 1900s. I, I can't really tell. It might be late 1800s. It's, it's very early. It's colonial-ish. Um, but um, I'm bad with history. But anyway, it, it takes that idea of like, you know, was she – can she plead insanity on, on this? But it puts it in a time before like I think people were probably thinking about that. But maybe they were. So it's just a really interesting exploration of what she was thinking. I'm, I've only finished the first episode, so I can't wait to get to the other five. But it looks like it's going to be like one of those that maybe by the end it'll be like she convinces everyone she didn't really do it. And then the last scene she'll like make this smile at you like, yep, I really did do it. Ha ha ha. You know, or something that could be where it's going. I'm hoping it goes somewhere even more unique than that um, or unique at all, I should say. But it's really well acted and, and, and um, lavishly presented. Um, so I'm really enjoying that as well. And I think that's about it. Interesting. Cool. And uh, Jordan, uh, did you have any movies? We didn't get to movies from you. Um. Well, throughout Halloween, I did watch a horror movie every day. Um, Halloween. Uh, which involved a few repeats, but we tried mainly to watch new films. Um. Uh, I we saw Tales Tales of Halloween, which is on Netflix and is possibly the best anthology horror film I've seen. It's like. Got ten stories and it manages to hit with eight of them and and some of them really? are phenomenal. So I would say check that out. I will. Um, we. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Hell oh, House, I got one. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Or, well, I was gonna say Hell House LLC was a lot of fun. That one's on Amazon. If you like really, <laughs> I don't want to say schlocky because it's pretty well produced, but it's also a very low budget movie that like the first movie just literally has one actor in it. But the Bad Bin trilogy is also on Amazon, and has it was an, it was three movies released in 2016 and 2017. Um, it's it's a really goofy little series, but we enjoyed that. Um, but uh, outside of that, because I actually started watching this just separately because Jigsaw came out, and that day I was like, you know, I'll finally bite the bullet because I know a lot of people who've watched them, and I've always been kind of opposed. I finally started watching the Saw films. Did you really? Yes. Um, Okay. They're so dumb. Are they bad? <laughs> they're not, you know, they're they're enjoyable. The first one, I think, gets the most praise. I thought it, even it had a lot of problems, but, uh, you know, there's there's an element to them I like. They always get, you know, a big part of why I never watched them is they got labeled as torture porn, but really they're not. Like, I've seen They're not hostile level? Now. No, they're not hostile level at all. I mean, it is people in torturous situations where if they if they don't complete their test, and even when they're doing their test, yeah, sometimes it's like a guy who has to push his face against knives in order to escape an electric chair. You know, it's a torturous setup, but it's not like it lingers on it, and a lot of the movies kind of abstract it, um, just for budgetary constraints, really. Like, the most gruesome scene in the first movie is him cutting off his own foot, but even that's off-screen because that movie was made with, like, no budget. Can't have those special effects, man. Can't have it. Um, but you know, there's there's a there's a zero escapish quality to them. Uh, the second movie is probably my favorite. It was actually like a group game where there was a eight people stuck in a nerve gas house and they had to try and find keys to escape. Is it is there surprises and twists in any of them? Oh like, god, zero yeah. escape? The, the, the whole like each movie ends on a on a big reveal. There's like if you've heard anything from Saw, it's the iconic theme, which is the Hello Zep theme, and it's like the da na na. Um, and they play that during the big reveal where it's like here was the the secret behind the whole movie Um, and there's one of those in every movie they're not always super effective and just from having culturally absorbed so much about those movies I kind of knew a good number of them but I could see them being really effective reveals if 
you know, I didn't know them already. So they're not they're not just the identity of of the Saw guy. They're like other things. Yeah, it's other things. Um, oh, good. I got to check them out then. They're you know they're they're, they're pretty dumb. Um, but... They're good background fodder though. Like if I'm cleaning my room or, or no, like yeah, working look, on something. I shotgunned like those uh, last weekend was when I watched the first one, and then I watched two and three the next day, and then I watched the fourth one the day after that. Um, and so I only have three more to go as far as the original series. Where did you find them? They're all on Netflix. Oh, okay. Awesome. Um, I might do that. That sounds fun. I mean, the first movie, if nothing else, is a great locked room kind of mystery. Uh, it, it You know, it's two guys stuck in the cellar. I mean, you've probably seen it. it. It's a pretty famous setup with the bathtub and them chained to the walls, the dead body in the middle of the room. It's just... It's a solid setup. Um, it's the most tame of the movies too, so it's not that gory, really. Uh, but it, you know, they're dumb, but they're really not as as torturous as I had always heard. Uh, it's got a big dumb mythology behind it, and I just need to finish out the series. But you know, it, it's there. <laughs> I think it is an iconic horror franchise. So, well, speaking of things that are far more than there, um, you haven't been on since you watched Gerald's Game. I have not. No. So, uh, Gerald's, I, I, honestly, like, if I'm just going to be straight up, I'm not going to mince words. It's probably my favorite film of the year. Like, if we get to the, if I'm on the, I hope I'm on the end of the year show. You, you it, need to be. I, I would be very surprised if it's not my number one movie of the year. I love Gerald's Game. I think it's, like, a deeply effective horror movie. Um, I think it's great psychological horror. It has some really deeply creepy moments. Um, it got the heart rate going. It was just overall a super, super strong I gotta see it. Uh, Stephen King adaptation with, with just dynamite performances from Carla uh, Guccino and uh, Bruce Greenwood. So I would say definitely check it out if you have second on, Second only to It for you, right, Jordan? <laughs> I liked It. I just – no, yeah, I like Gerald's Game more than It, but I, I liked It. I thought you were okay. I thought you were one of those that didn't like it. Okay. No, no. I mean, I didn't think it was transformative. I, I think it definitely got. I think just because of Stephen King's name, it got a lot of attention, and because it's such an iconic book and an iconic miniseries, that that's what I think got a lot, and a lot of people really liked it. I thought it was enjoyable, but I don't think it was like super scary. I thought it was pretty effectively creepy. Mm-hmm. I'm just surprised. So. So, I, I mean, I wasn't really looking for it to be super scary. I mean, I think that first scene where he's in the sewer is one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a horror movie, period. Uh, those five minutes when he's talking to the little kid. But, I mean, in general, I just think that the ensemble cast uh, I, I just was so well done. Um, and it's just such a gargantuan task taking on that novel and to do it in an effective way. Um, it's just a real accomplishment. Um, you know, I'll, I'll put a little bit just to say that I'm not – uh, I enjoyed the movie, honestly, probably more than the book, just because mm -hmm. it was brief. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kevin and I have been reading it for uh, our, a book club, and my god, that book just goes on. Yeah. And on. Yeah. And on. Like, the biggest problem, first of all, I, I honestly think it has too many characters, but it frequently falls into this pattern. Like, there's four sections in the book. Like, there's a childhood section, then an adult section, then a childhood section, then an adult section. But each of them basically breaks down to there's seven characters in the past, and each of them gets a whole chapter where it's just like, here's some creepy shit Pennywise did to them. Right. And then it gets recreated. Honestly, the, the worst stretch of the book is they all come back to town as adults, and then it just does that again, where it's like, yeah, wander the town, and they all just see Pennywise do some creepy stuff. 
And it's just, it's a slog. I really think that book could have been cut down by like four or five hundred pages. Are you a Stephen King fan in general? Yeah. I mean, I read a lot of Stephen King in high school. I think Stephen King got to the point where, you know, editors aren't allowed to touch him. Yeah, yeah. And he just releases whatever he wants. And it is definitely a book that needed to have a machete taken to it. Yeah. That's interesting. There's like, I think it was Family Guy that did a spoof of that where... There's the scene where Stephen King's in his editor's office, and he's just pitching this totally nonsensical plot. And I mean, I don't remember what it was, but yeah. uh, nothing related. And the editor literally just says, "You don't even care anymore. All right, just have a draft for me by March. Go ahead." And it, I mean, that's not far. Not off. true, but yeah. But but at the same time, yeah. No, I, I mean, I I know what you mean. Um, yeah. The Mister Mercedes novels are a great example, uh, and I haven't watched that series much. I started watching it a little bit, but. Did it really? Apparently. Well, it's on audience, so I mean, it's Directv's only show they're making. So, um, but anyway, the the thing about that show that's, I mean, about that book is there's not just one, but there's three books. Now that said, it's incredibly prescient because once again, this neat, horrible New York massacre that just took place is basically the plot of Mister Mercedes again. Um, and it's not unlike what also happened in uh, Charlottesville. So there's a lot of this, like people going to gatherings and driving their car into other people, which is just so unspeakably horrific. Um, but anyway, that aside, um, he took that idea and like it's three books instead of one with this cat and mouse between like this cop and this killer. Um, I don't know. He just, he just, he, he goes on long. Now there are people on the other side who like, for example, my friend, Melissa, it is her favorite book of all time, and if you chopped one word on one page out of that book, she she would come at you with a machete. Um, so I mean, you know, it's it's certain people think that every word he writes is sacred. Others feel like it could be a lot more uh, reined in. Um, so it's just it's just one of those things. I mean, look at Dark I mean, Tower, the thing, gargantuan. I I think it's just it's super repetitive. Um, I think that's just. It. It, it is. It just, I, it, I don't think yeah. if you enjoy it, that's fine. But I think sometimes it's like it's okay to like something, but you get. I mean, you can't deny that it is super repetitive. Yeah. We see I mean, you so could take many it. scenes in that book where it's just somebody alone. Pennywise does some creepy stuff, and then they're like, "Oh no!" And then we immediately go to another scene of one of the other characters seeing Pennywise do some creepy stuff. Yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I mean, you, just even mathematically take creativity out of it. You could look at, you could chop up that book and say this scene and this scene are nearly identical. Yeah. And no, I mean, I think sometimes it works. Like, I think Stephen King works great on the micro level. I think the problem with a bigger novel is he, he repeats a lot of the same stuff. But, like, even late in the book as I am, there's, like, a great scene with one of the bullies that that is creepy and could have been its own short story and was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it, it then continues. <laughs> right, right. Cool, man. Well, you know, speaking of uh, not actually se- – I'm going to leave segues out of it completely. Um, I, as I looked up the Flash's Hartley Sawyer earlier for the elong- Elongated Man info, um, I saw this little uh, preview window for a new USA show that's coming up. And I didn't have to click on it now, but it's been in front of me this whole time we've been talking, reminding me to say that if you see the preview for Damnation, have you seen it? No. Nah. This show, I'm going to say right now, if you strapped me down and made me watch Damnation, if there was a knife near my – I might end my life. It looks <laughs> that bad. It looks that depressing. It looks like that much of an environment that I wouldn't want to be in so badly that I may have to end it all to get out. It is – it's about like 
like priests and sinners in Dust Bowl America. I mean, I just want to die. It's so bad. But if you get a chance, check out that trailer and you'll see what I mean. Like about like you spend two minutes there and you wish it was like it was too long. Um, anyway, just my little thoughts on Damnation. If it turns out that it's this big, critically acclaimed masterpiece, I still won't care. <laughs> but because uh, I, w- I don't want to live there uh, if my life depended on it. All sure. right. Well, on that um, note, uh, do we get everything covered? We, we've been going on a while now. Do you want to talk about yeah. some Thor? Yeah. Sure. All right. Let's talk about some Thor. Um, I would love it, Jordan, if you could do a synopsis. Is that possible or are you not prepped? Uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting, but I could I – could... Honestly, yeah, probably. It's not Gin it hard. up. Gin it up. All right, I so... I hear a synopsis. <clears throat> what happens in Thor Ragnarok? All right, so two but... years after Avengers Age of Ultron, Thor has been searching for the Infinity Stones across reality, uh, but we meet him imprisoned by the fire demon Surtur. Uh, you know, after interrogating Surtur a little, he reveals he's not really that trapped and beats Surtur in an attempt to stop Ragnarok, which is Surtur's plan to dip his crown in the Eternal Flame and destroy all of Asgard. Uh, Thor handily defeats him and returns to Asgard to put the helmet of Surtur in the throne room, where he finds that, in fact, for the past few years, Loki, who he assumed dead, has been posing as Odin um, and forces Odin to help him try and track down their father. After a brief cameo by Doctor Strange, they locate Odin, who explains that he's dying and that his firstborn daughter, Hela, is going to escape from prison that he or from imprisonment once he is dead. And as he passes, Hela, played by Kate Blanchett, does in fact return, just easily destroying Mjolnir, and when Loki tries to have them escape through the Bifrost, they are cast out onto the planet of Sakaar as Hela returns to um, Asgard. There, she teams up with Scourge, who has replaced Heimdall as the keeper of the Bifrost, uh, taking him as a henchman, and kills the Warriors three before taking over the city and planning to reconquer all of the realms of reality. However, the sword is taken by uh, some of the civilians and Heimdall, who is still alive and living in exile within and played Asgard. played by Idris Elba. Played Heck again yeah. by Idris Elba. And uh, as she begins using the Eternal Flame to revive the dead Asgardian warriors of the past, as well as the um, Fenris Wolf. Uh, meanwhile, Thor crash lands on Sakaar, where he's taken in by Scrapper142, who is also a former Valkyrie of Asgard. Uh, which he realized later in the film, and is brought before the Grandmaster, who is the ruler of Sakaar and runner of the Contest of Champions. Seeing Thor as a worthy competitor, he's thrown into the games where he meets Korg and Meek, a pair of gladiators, before he is faced against the champion, who turns out to be the Hulk, who's been the Hulk since the events of Age of Ultron two years ago. Uh, The Hulk ignores his friendship with Thor and beats him up, although Thor starts to wig out and gain full access to his powers before he's shocked into submission and loses the fight to the Hulk. Afterwards, he talks with his old friend, who reveals he doesn't want to be Banner anymore, but he willingly wants to leave and, of course, return to Asgard, uh, hoping that Loki, who also ended up in Sakaar but has gained favor with the Grandmaster, will come with him. Uh, He finds the Hulk's Quinjet and is attempting to use it to escape when the Hulk shows up demanding that Thor not leave where a video of Natasha Romanoff uh, doing, you know, speaking to Bruce Banner finally brings the Hulk out of his stupor and Bruce Banner returns. Uh, Confused over what's happened for two years, the two agree that it's time to escape the planet, which with the help of Valkyrie and Loki, they stage uh, 
a big escape, even though Loki tries to betray, betray Thor. Thor is finally wise to his brother's plan. Thank they, God. They return to Asgard um, and face off with Hela, who pretty handily manages to whoop Thor's butt until his true powers as the god of thunder unlock and he is able to take her on, not before losing an eye. Um, and they allow the Asgardians to escape on a ship helmed by Korg, Meek, and Loki, who returns to save his homeland. However, realizing that Hela is too powerful to be defeated, they, uh, Thor sends Loki to put Surtur's hammer into the er, certain eh, Surtur's helmet into the Eternal Flame, triggering Ragnarok and destroying Asgard with Hela on board. Um, and it's the source of her power. Yes, finally uh, accepting his role as king of the Asgardians. Uh, Thor plans to lead his people, uh, realizing that Asgard is a people, not a place. He plans to lead them to Earth. However, a mid credit scene reveals a large spaceship looming over their already pretty massive spaceship, uh, which, <laughs> outside of the film, has been confirmed to be Thanos' spaceship. And then we get a post credit scene that shows the Grandmaster, uh, his whole planet, in revolt, and he's more or less trying to talk his way out of it. <laughs> saying i'm gonna give myself a pat i'm gonna give myself a pat on the back because if you have to have a revolution you got to have somebody to overthrow right so i played a big role in that uh but yeah that was thor ragnarok nicely <laughs> done my friend damn plot summary so well like that was no prep work at all but you know it great to have you back buddy <laughs> thank you um all right uh so there's thor ragnarok man um it's uh, it's a it's a really uh, you know you can sum it up pretty quickly. Uh, it does have some some pretty you know succinct plot points. I think the only thing maybe that I missed in there was was Scourge and his uh, his little arc. But you can't talk about everything, right? No. Um, and uh, you know he kind of redeems himself, which is nice. I didn't realize that was Carl Urban. I guess I should have, <laughs> but it um, it looked he looked different for some reason to me. Anyway. There were some memes uh, because it was Carl Urban and then Kate Blanchett playing Helen. There were some memes. Uh, the best one I, show, I saw, uh, you know, their, their characters from Lord of the Rings on top, and it said freshman year, and then it had them from Thor, and it said senior year. I thought, uh, I was like, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's definitely true. All righty. So let's – um, I guess the best way to do this would be let's just dive sort of in and talk about our expectations going into this movie and then um, what we thought as we were walking out initially, and then and then we can go more in depth about why. So uh, uh, let's start. Uh, Kevin, what were your thoughts going into uh, Thor Ragnarok? Okay, well, I expected it to be better than the other Thor movies, <laughs> which isn't that hard. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they nailed the really good auteur director. And I think that based on the trailers, they were going for a way more comedic tone, which is definitely what this series needed. Um, because one of the – well – Two has the biggest problems, but that was more related to all the behind-the-scenes stuff. There were director changes, script revisions, uh, a lot. I mean, they started shooting Thor 2 before the final script was finished. That's how much of a mess the production of that movie was. And then, but that aside, that both that movie and the first Thor took themselves a little too seriously. And because of that, I think they really faltered. Based alone on the trailers for this movie and how it was going for a much more comedic tone and a much more fun, adventurous, very Guardians-inspired tone, as we've discussed. I think that was the right direction for them. And so I was excited to see it. I was excited to see the Planet Hulk material. And I figured there would be surprises. And there were, like, you know, Doctor Strange's appearance was a nice little touch there. Uh, I 
I'm glad that I'm surprised that I how much I enjoyed Loki as well because I thought I, that was the other thing I thought I was going to be really tired of Luke of Loki. We're gonna but, we're gonna di- we're gonna dive into our thoughts in the movie in a sure, second. Sure, sure. But so, yeah, so, but yeah, as far as I can say, I mean, better than the other Thor movies, but still not like significantly high expectation. I, I expected to you know have a good time. So for me, I'm gonna dive in here really quick and say that when I saw that trailer. Um, with uh, the name from the eyes and the ice and dome and the boom, ba da dum ba da dum boom, boom, Yeah, immigrant song, right? Thank you. Um, yeah, just get that out quick. Save everybody from my singing, right? Um, but uh, when I heard that and just in general saw the tone and the font of the of the logo Thor Ragnarok and then yeah. just the Sakar stuff, um, and the gladiator and this all the spaceship stuff and the different alien races. I was like, oh, fuck, it's Guardians 3, and I don't really want Guardians 3, or at least I don't want Thor to be Guardians 3. Um, I The thing I like least about Guardians, and this is kind of sacrilege, but it's kind of true for me, is the mixtape shit. Uh, I don't – it was another it was a problem I also had with Watchmen, the movie, where it's like I don't want to see a movie that revise, relies that heavily on known music. If you want to have a movie that like has a beautiful score that's incredibly important, let's say a Interstellar, for example, um, that's fine. Music's incredibly essential to that experience. It's essential to all movie experiences. But when your whole movie has like direct plot points or is like right on the nose with the music that is your soundtrack, and it's like music with lyrics and words, and it's trying to be like just so I don't know, so gimmicky with it. That bothers me, and so that was my least favorite part of of both Guardians movies. Guardians two was was just in general, you know, something that I had a lot of fun with, but I kind of forgot even what happened in that movie once it was done. So they just don't they just don't have the staying power and the impact for me. Um, and then when I saw that Thor was doing it, I was like, come on, man! Like they take this they take the franchise that is kind of doing the worst among the Marvel franchises, um, at least in terms of you know critical and and some. Uh, cultural reaction and just say well guardians is you know really popular and we could mix thor with guardians into a nice little soup and serve it up and i was really worried that was what i was going to get and in small part i did but i found that it was uh different than that and that was sort of uh my impressions going in um yeah jordan um so i went into this not i, I don't know so i had a lot for one, Taika Waititi is a director who I both like and dislike, um, just as far as I really like what we do in the shadows. I didn't really care for uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, which I know is like critically acclaimed. Um, is what we do in the shadows the one about vampires or no? Yes, that is the one about uh, vampires. Okay. Um, so I was like, uh, those are the two films. I, I, I don't think I've seen his other film. There's one other, like, more more offbeat one. Um, Boy. Yeah, I have not seen Boy. Um, But, yeah, so I, you know, as far as him particularly, I was like, I can find him really funny, or I can find it not as funny, so, you know, I didn't know where to go with that. But everything about Ragnarok looked very funny, so I was, I was excited for that. I was also curious to see how it came together, because I... I it honestly seemed like two movies smashed together as opposed to one cohesive narrative. It, it sure did. Uh, mm-hmm. It looked like they were like, we want to do Planet Hulk, but we don't want to pay Universal any money. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about how, how true that is as we get into the movie. But that was one of my thoughts. I was like, is this going to be a Thor film? Is it going to be a Thor film where it stops being a Thor film for an hour? Um, 
so I was a little concerned about that. But overall, it looked like a film that was going to be hugely fun, hugely entertaining, and you know, better than at least Thor: The Dark World. I don't. Again, that's my <laughs> dead last Marvel Cinematic Universe film. So as long as it, I was like, it can't possibly be be more dour and worse than that because it's at least trying to be a fun movie. Yeah. Um, and maybe probably better than Thor one. I put that one very middle of the pack. I, I honestly, it might just be dead center as a movie that I think is is entertaining enough, but not anything super special. But you know, Kenneth Branagh, man, where's the respect for the Branagh? I think he does good things with that movie. Um, but uh, you know, uh, very small then, scale, very small scale. Yeah, and then lastly, I liked the look of some of the new characters. I thought. Hella looked great. I thought uh, I love Carl Urban, so I was excited about that. Tessa Thompson, uh, I really like, so I was looking forward to Valkyrie. Uh, what do you know her from? Aside from uh, is it is it just uh, uh, Veronica Mars and uh, Westworld or something else? No, I'm pretty sure. I'm mean, gonna want to double check so that I'm not crazy. Yeah, Creed. She was in Creed. She was yeah, in yeah. Creed. Okay, got it. Oh yeah, that's right. Forgot about that. Um, so I was like, I thought she was gonna be great. So on the whole, and you know, I like Loki. I was looking forward to seeing him again. I was looking forward to uh, seeing the more light-sided, light-hearted side of Thor. So, like, I went into this movie pretty positively excited to see what they got. Cool. You also said something that was interesting, Kevin, when we were talking about the movie uh, in advance. And you were saying that they realized that he, um, uh, Chris Hemsworth is funny. Was that you who said that? Yeah, I mean, the, um, I think we were talking about that some and that... Uh, I mean, I was talking about, yeah, that they were, well, just more related to the tone of the previous two movies, how they took themselves too seriously. But yeah, especially with... But they Chris found Hemsworth. out that he's funny. And that right, now with him having been in the new Ghostbusters and all that. And yeah, they were like, let's play on this. That's Which I thought was really interesting. And I, I definitely thought about that uh, throughout the movie, was that, sure. that concept of, you know, uh, utilizing an actor's strengths. And, and, and that was very interesting. Okay, um, so that tells us uh, sort of what the movie is about and what... Uh, we were thinking going into it. I also want to point out, I didn't even see Thor The Dark World. I actually owned the Blu-ray for a while, and I'd heard just <laughs> so many things about how unfun it was that it just never made the cut to put it in my in my player. It's crazy <laughs> um, so, to me that you didn't at least go through it for this. I know. I never do that. I never do that. I never will not watch a, a previous film to see to see the new one. But for some reason, this didn't happen, and I was just like, you know what? Everybody tells me it doesn't matter. I'm going to break my rule, and this one time I'm going to do that. Um, so anyway, uh, that said, let's dive into our thoughts of the movie. Um, let's go same order. Kevin, overall so, thoughts. Okay, so I came out of the movie with uh, – this is probably my favorite one-sentence review I've ever done. It was like if Edgar Wright directed Lord of the Rings in space. That's how I – because it had from – obvious, like I said, the comedic nice. aspects of it were its biggest strength for me and it very much felt kind of Edgar Wright-ish humor uh, uh, sure. which is of course interesting because he, we all know the history of him and Ant-Man and all that um, so this was kind of the closest thing I would say we would get to a more Edgar Wright-esque Marvel movie uh, and uh, you know the, it had all, a lot of like Flash Gordon influence especially in the scenes on Sakaar I saw a lot of that in just the visuals. And so I was really attracted to that. Um, the action scenes were not like mind blowing for me, nothing truly spectacular, but for me it was, this was more a buddy cop movie in space. And that's what I was there for. And I'm glad I got that. So I had a really fun time with it. And 
yeah, I mean, it follows pretty standard, you know, formula like, you know, all the Marvel movies do to an extent. But uh, I think Taki Watiti brought a definite vision to this movie, which he executed well. I thought they did a good job of, because I did have the same concerns, too, about it trying to be two movies. And, yeah, I even made the remark when the trailer came out. I was like, oh, cool, Planet Hulk movie. This looks awesome. And Mm -hmm. that I was, but it also was like, oh, are they going to put so much emphasis on that that Thor will be like a side character? And I thought they did a really good job balancing the two uh, and making them, you know, come together really well. And it didn't feel out of place once Hulk came in there and they spent a good time developing his arc. I just thought, you know, all that was solid. I liked the Doctor Strange cameo. Um, so overall, I mean, a lot of fun. I was trying to determine where it would be placed in my uh, MCU ranking. It's always hard to do because it changes constantly because, you know, now we're getting three movies a year. Um, but I did. Uh, do you want me to share my ranking of the? No, we'll wait at the end. Wait right, till the cool. end for that. That'll right, be cool. our final okay. thing. Okay, um, cool. So but yeah, me, overall, really uh, fun. I mean, not insanely great action. Like, I mean, solid action, but nothing you know spectacular or memorable. But the comedy, I thought, was probably the best in the MCU we've seen so far. Nice. Um, so I would agree with that last statement that you made wholeheartedly. Um, I have never, and I said this when I. Uh, texted after it and i said it as a, i don't i think this is the case and and now that i've thought about it some more I, I, i'm i'm affirming that i that i believe this i have never had more fun at a marvel movie um i've uh, it really at a superhero movie period i am not saying that it's the greatest movie of all time or on earth in any way but i am saying that in terms of pure enjoyment of a marvel film i've definitely never had more fun um i feel like it is just a bunch of just brilliant actors, comedic actors at the top of their game. Um, and Taika Watiti playing that stone character. Was yeah, it yeah, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> Born or Morn or Korg. was it? Korg. Uh, it was, it was, you know, definitely like MVP of that movie. He kills in that role. And when I first heard him talk, I was trying to place it. I was like, where do I know that voice? Where do I know that voice? And I never placed it. And then I looked it up later and I was like, oh, it's the director. I don't know how, I don't know where that voice comes from, but I feel like I've heard it many times before. Maybe I hadn't. Um, I don't know. But I will say that the directing on this movie I thought was brilliant. Now, it was very weird. So you start watching the movie, and it is a movie that takes place in Asgard. And and honestly, at that point, I was a little bit closer. It was the closest point I was to a little bit uh, bored, but not really. Because when he goes there, immediately it's Loki doing his little act, and it's and it's Odin acting out of character, eating his grapes and, and being indulgent. Um, which is maybe a little Odin, but not really. And something's off the whole time. And then there's that really cool play. And then there's that drama where he's going to kill him with the Molnir if he doesn't confess. And then Loki pops out. It, it's just they even take the heaviness of Asgard and like the, um, yeah, the, you know, Asgard is all about like uh, formalities and 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 seriousness. And even though it's a Marvel movie with a little lighter tone, and they all have been a little bit. It's still there was a certain certain solemnity, and it was like Thor is like ha- out there being a hero and having fun, and then he comes back and it's like he's got to take that down a notch this time that didn't happen and then when he ends up uh you know when thing when shit goes down with him and loki and he ends up on sakar um the minute he lands i was having a fucking blast um and when tessa thompson comes out of that ship and then falls over the side it was slapstick and it was really well done but at the same time i was like holy shit is this that kind of movie 
because damn, that girl just fell out the side of that spaceship, like like straight up like Three Stooges style. Um, and then she gets back up and she's smacking her fist together and she's got that badass tech going. And I think her character really sums up the movie in a lot of ways. A perfect mix of comedy and drama. So she's got gravitas. You come to find out where she's coming from, why she's so drunk, why her ship looks like it has a bunch of trash thrown all around it because she's just trying to like not live her life in this incredibly disciplined, strong way that she used to. So it's just a really good merging of those two elements in her character especially. I also have a huge crush on Tessa Thompson now, by the way. Um, she is amazingly beautiful uh, and – uh, I, I don't know why it never struck me before. I saw her in Westworld and really liked her in that. So I think it might be just that I love the character. Who knows? Um, but I just really enjoyed her throughout, um, aesthetically and uh, dramatically and comedically. Um, so that's a good triple header to have. Um, and then um, I'm trying to think about what else. Oh, yeah. Uh, just just throughout, it was just a, a fun experience. And when, when, when on Sakaar, it was great. Um, and then – I'd say the thing I maybe like the best is the fact that at the very beginning it fakes you out and it's like, oh my god, it was I thought this movie was Ragnarok, but he just prevented Ragnarok in the first five minutes. What the fuck? And then it gets to the end and it's like, oh, that's what they were doing. It really is Ragnarok again. So they found even though they are gonna merge together two things, maybe they wanted to do Planet Hulk and couldn't have um and it's sort of two one movie sandwiched between the other one. But at the same time, they found the best way on earth they could have ever done that, I thought. Um, so overall, I really, really enjoyed it. It's not a masterpiece, maybe, but it couldn't have been better for what it wanted to do. Jordan? Um, so first off, I'll say that I think this is, perhaps with this, the, the exception of Guardians 1, the funniest uh, Marvel movie just like from a first viewing. Because again, I think Guardians loses a lot of its impact on repeat viewings um and i think ant-man is super funny and while i don't think it was like laugh out loud funny the first time i've always found it really holds its uh humor very well on repeat viewings and i, I watch that uh, honestly pretty regularly like if, if i just need a movie to put on while i'm cleaning or doing something i actually go to ant-man pretty regularly wow so, uh, i find that to be you know i rank it pretty high overall more higher than most i know that um but i really liked ant-man so so just on a comedic level i think this movie really knocks it out of the park um you know the things you were talking about her falling out of the spaceship um the fucking <laughs> bruce banner hitting the bifrost when he tries to have his big heroic moment um yeah i think possibly the single funniest moment in all of the mcu for me when thor tries to give <laughs> the hulk the uh sun's getting real low speech in the middle of the <laughs> fight uh huh uh, I was I was dying at a lot of parts in this movie. I mean, it it had some fantastic humor. So funny. And the I, moment I forgot to mention was when uh, he's first being initiated into the Gladiator program, and he's strapped to the chair, and it, he's being driven through, and they're playing the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory theme there, and it was the pure imagination. Did you catch that, Jordan? Yeah. No. I mean, that, I, was, I did. that was my favorite. Yeah. On a humor level, it, it was just killing it. And I, I also think it was a, 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 a definitely a disconnected refocusing of Thor's character, but probably necessary. He always has been the most dour, um, the least, I would think, easy to connect with um, in terms of the big Avengers, the big six. Just because he is so um, otherworldly and, and serious a lot of the time. So, you know, the fact that they were like, let's take... Kevin from Ghostbusters and fuse him with Thor and just kind of make him more of a dude bro, more of a frat Thor, 
Which I think they, you know, isn't completely unfounded. The first Thor movie really does find him kind of at that level when the first movie starts. Um, so I think they rediscover some of that. Um, and then as far as the action, I think I was a little more taken with it. Uh, just because I, I appreciate that they didn't give everything away in the trailers for the Thor-Hulk fight. Like they did with the Hulkbuster fight in Age of Ultron. Um, so I liked that fight. I loved seeing yeah. Hulk fight the wolf. I thought that was great. I thought Hela had a really cool ability with the whole throwing all of the, like, uh, interdimensional yeah. blades she could summon. That was badass, yeah. Uh, I thought it did a lot of really cool things in terms of that. Um, but on the whole, I honestly, my big problem with the movie, and there are a couple, uh, is that it, for me, was... And I, it took me a while to find the right word for this because I, a lot of what I was coming up with felt too harsh. I was like, I was like, it's heartless. That's a little harsh. Soulless. That's harsh too. But I think really what it is is it's a hollow movie for me. Um, it's a film that like I think it is so heavily skewed to comedy that it just completely abandons drama altogether. Um, I think it's a movie that just you know pretends to have stakes but then does hey 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 we lost you for a second it just completely abandoned what uh drama like okay sorry yeah it just completely abandoned drama and just decided to be a comedy and i don't necessarily know that that's entirely the wrong impulse um but i do think it makes for a very weak film because like anytime there was any attempt to be dramatic with the sole exception of odin's uh death it, it undercuts it with jokes, like to the point that it is almost impossible to invest in anything. Uh, I think Thor, you know, especially coming off again, I get not wanting him to be dour, but, you know, his father's dying, his he loses his hammer, his homeworld's in danger, but he never feels that broken up about it. I mean, he's trying to get home, but he doesn't seem sad. He's still making jokes. He's still like the movie is definitely not trying to sell any sort of drama there. So it just feels like, yeah, Asgard's in trouble, but. So, and again, another part of that is just that so much of the movie is just straight up, we're going to do Planet Hulk now. And yeah, I think it does a good job of keeping Thor in there, but it really does feel like they were like, what legal line can we get up to before Universal can sue us <laughs> um, in terms of it just being like a big fun Hulk movie? Um, but really, I think ultimately my, my biggest problem with the dramatic side of things is outside of Valkyrie who we actually get to see evolve and change over the course of the movie. The, the movie is just full of stagnant characters. Nobody changes from the first scene they're in to the last scene. Thor gets a power boost, but you know, Loki doesn't have an arc. Thor doesn't have an arc. Grandmaster doesn't. Didn't I, didn't I hear you? Didn't I hear you say earlier when you were reading or, or stating the, um, the summation, um, Thor finally accepts his place as the King of Asgard. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because he ends up sitting in the chair at the end, but it's not like that's a that's not a going concern of the movie. He's not like struggling with the the possibility of finally taking mm. the crown. Okay, like, he just what you mean. ends up as the guy in the chair at the end. Um, and again, I think it just undercuts everything with jokes. Asgard getting blown up, undercut with jokes from Korg. Um, the uh, destruction of the hammer constantly gets joked about. Uh, I just. Like, again, it's a super funny movie, and I really rank it highly just for being entertainment, but it's so lacking in any kind of actual depth that it just feels 
frivolous. I think it's the only MCU movie that doesn't at least try to do something or change its characters. It's just like, no, this is a joke factory, and we're going to make a funny movie, but we're not going to have any kind of um, depth to it. And that was really my biggest problem. And I, I feel like I'm being harsh, but I also feel like people are, are praising the movie so much that it's like any any kind of dissension feels like it's it's no. saying I hate it. And I don't. No, no, I no, no. Totally I just fun. I... I just yeah. think it doesn't have any depth. So I've seen other I've seen reviews that aren't aren't completely away from you on that. Um, IGN is a strong example. It's a seven seven, um, and his big thing was that you know while it's a funny movie, it you know it's very much a movie be- caught between two identities and trying to do this Sakar movie and really doesn't really loses Asgard in the process. That was sort yeah. of his thought. I, I think. Um, or sorry. Yeah. No. Well, no, I was no, going to say as far as the Asgard part. Yeah, it really feels like we're obligatorily torn back there every few scenes in order to show Hela slightly edging her plans forward. I think it is another problematic Marvel villain where, yeah, Kate Blanchett does a great job chewing the scenery in that role, and she looks great, and she kicks ass. But, yeah, it's it's just sort of destruction for destruction's sake as a villain. Well, and... there is that really good scene where she breaks down the foundations. So I thought that I thought, I thought there was. I, I would beg to differ on the on the drama uh, argument. I get what you're saying that it doesn't have a lot of arcs um, for a lot of characters. Although Scourge has an arc, Valkyrie has an arc, Loki, not really. <laughs> but um, you know, th- there are a lot of different characters, or at least a couple characters that do have arcs. Um, another thing that was interesting is Asgard itself kind of has an arc. Um, where you find out like what Asgard is, who the people are, how important um, Heimdall is to it, and 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 all that it is, um, and then also I think what's really impactful is when that ceiling is smashed, and you see this concept of you know yeah they wanted to be you know put this great face forward about like the ethical and legitimate way they took all this power and owns nine realms, but actually if you strip back the the veneer, you will see that. Uh, this place was built on horrific murder. Um, and I love when that ceiling crashes. And then when you see Thor see it, he kind of understands a little bit. I, I mean, I almost feel like there might have been a scene there that they cut out. But you definitely can see that that the idea of Asgard and how it was built and how it came to be. And then, you know, its destruction. Um, it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting transition there or, or, or arc of its own in a way. I, I mean, I'm not going to deny that it's not there. I think... You know, I saw some analysis that was very much like, you know, as a Maori filmmaker, he definitely has a lot of opinions probably on colonialism, and I think that's definitely an undercurrent. But I don't think the movie engages with it in any kind of legitimate way that you can, like... It's not... It's it's a very subtle subtext that, again, because the movie spends so little time with Asgard, it's hard to, like, find it that affecting. Yeah, I just see... I just find... I don't know, I come from a different school of thought, I think, on all of this stuff, where... Uh, I, I, it sounds like you wanted 20 more minutes in this movie, and I was so fucking glad it was only two hours and ten. I can't even stand it, you know? No, I'm not like, saying I wanted it to be longer. I'm saying that okay. it it definitely didn't focus enough on what it – like, It its title is Thor Ragnarok, not Thor Sakaar, not Thor Planet Hulk. So it's like that's what it should focus on if it was going to – I mean, yeah, it should have had more time on Asgard, but I would be okay with cutting some time on Sakaar to flesh out what should be the central narrative of the movie. Did you want that, though? Would you have preferred to watch that? Like, I mean, heart aside, like, okay, so there's always the argument, enjoyment versus impact. And, you know, should movies be enjoyable? Should they be impactful? Should they be both? What makes a great movie? 
um, is watching Precious an enjoyable time. <laughs> you know, you can take it as far as you want. Um, but did, would you have liked the movie more? Do you think? Do you think you would have enjoyed the movie more? Do you think? I, I guess it's it, that's a tough question to ask. I want to say, would it be a better movie? And I think I know your answer to that. But I, I, I guess I want to know: do you do you wish they'd made those decisions? Do you actually wish we'd gotten less Sakar and more Asgard? Not like, like as a viewer, that I mean, it could have been. Look, this could have been a two-part movie. In all honesty, you could develop Hela over two films. You could make this the first part where it is all on Sakar. And again, give it more depth. Again, if Sakaar had a deep storyline or it had actual development for the Hulk, because there's all this talk, I mean, in the pre-interviews where Mark Ruffalo is saying, yeah, there's this three-film arc for the Hulk now that runs through this and the other two Avengers, and it's like, well, I guess most of that development is going to come in the next movies because there's not a lot of depth to Hulk in this. I mean, he finally learns how to talk, but... What not... about the concept? What about the concept of... Mark Ruffalo and that very dramatic moment where he says eh, it comes off a little flat now that I'm actually being honest with myself. But what about that moment where he says, if I turn into the Hulk again, I may never come back. you got to understand there's real stakes here. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's all very micro moments. It's not like mm -hmm. there's not there's not again. I just it, the movie gets so invested in being jokey that it never lets there be a lot of weight to anything. Yeah. I just wonder, though, if, if that would have made it a better movie. I think that's the question. Like, I definitely see what you're saying. There is a dearth when compared with something like Captain America, the Winter Soldier, for example. There is a dearth of emotional stakes and character arcs. Um, but I wonder, does that make it better? Would it have made it better? I guess is the question I'm, I'm wondering. What do you think, Kevin, on this argument or, or so conversation? I see what I you're say. saying, and I do agree that, especially now thinking more about it and then some of those micro moments, but, you know, we got, uh, you look at the Thor trilogy, so the first movie, we get his origin, and then the majority of the movie takes place on Earth, and it's okay, you know, but it's like, people are like, eh, this was kind of boring. And then we had Thor 2, which was primarily on Asgard, and then jumping back and forth in Earth in a weird way. But we did get a lot of that Asgard stuff of him fighting a supernatural villain there, and it was more, you know well, as dramatic as they tried to be, but that movie was a mess. And then here, again, they kind of threw all that out and went for a much more lighthearted tone. So I don't know. I think for its placement and where it is in the MCU, it worked really well, especially because Infinity Wars is coming up, and that's going to have a lot it's of... It's going to be dramatic. heavy. Exactly. It's going to be... And this was kind of the... I, I think Marvel intentionally set it up this this year... You know, we had Guardian, Spider-Man, and Thor as, you know, um, all much more lighthearted. Um, aside from, I mean, Guardians did have the death of a major character. But uh, regardless, they were all pretty comedic and intentionally so because Infinity Wars is going down and we're definitely going to see um, character deaths and really dramatic moments. And so I thought because of that, this was well-placed and... I wasn't really bothered by the fact I do see understand your criticisms and I get that. And yeah, um, I, I do too. I, right. And I do think, yeah, they could have gone better with the death depth, but at the same time for what this movie was, I'm glad it was a comedy and I'm glad that it didn't take itself too seriously. Cause going from here, we are going to get a lot more of that. I mean, uh, I, and yeah, 
I don't want to, like, I think it's unfair to be saying that, like, because it makes it, what it sounds like is you're saying they have to be mutually exclusive, and I, I think that's unfair, because Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, and I don't find 2 as effective as the first film, but they're both hugely funny movies, but they also give a lot of depth to the characters. I mean, the first movie takes the time to show Drax's tragedy, Rocket's backstory, how Gamora's had, and Gamora and Nebula's relationship in the sequel. It takes the time to give the character's weight and depth, whereas this movie, which for a lot of people, I mean, let's be clear, Thor Ragnarok is probably a lot of people's first Thor solo movie, just based on the box office it's doing and how the other Thor movies have been received and seen by audiences. Wait, so, wait, it's a smash hit? Um, It's doing well so far, I don't know, I think it's got the biggest opening for a Thor film, I think it beat Homecoming out. Oh, Um, wow, okay. I forget exactly, I saw the story earlier. Sure, sure. So for a lot of people, this is going to be their first. And I think when you're so fundamentally, like, reconfiguring the character, there's almost a necessity to have to at least get a little more into his head to be like, here are the changes, or here is what his outlook is now. And I think the movie fails to do that. Like, it can still be super funny. The Guardians movies are funny, but they also give the characters depth and give them arcs and give them some drama to deal with. And this sure, is an interesting, really it's like, an interesting trade-off. It's yeah. an interesting trade-off because... I, I also, at the same time, that's true, but I enjoyed this movie more. Like, I had more fun at it, and I wonder, I mean, I really wonder if if adding more of that stuff in would have made it not as enjoyable, enjoyable. And again, it's that same argument that's very hard to quantify, like, what makes a great movie. I'm sorry, Kevin, what were you going to say? Oh, no, that's, I mean, I do agree that that's what I love about Guardians, I mean, that it does strike a nice balance. So, yeah, yeah looking back at more, I do agree, um, but... I also, I don't know, it, 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 I did have a lot of fun with this, so, this yeah, definitely... I mean, it was a thrill ride, no, I mean, right, I, and I'm it not really arguing was. that, I'm just saying, sure. like, the problem with comedies is if they, if, if they stop being funny as you watch it more, and there's nothing else to hold on to, mm-hmm. I think this yeah. is a movie that runs the risk of being like, okay, I've seen it maybe a second time and now it's like what's the reason to go back i know all the I'll, jokes there's no point to watching this again although well well one thing i would argue I, I hear your point completely one thing i would argue on that front is charismatic fun characters so like i was saying with it was korg you said i keep messing that up korg, korg yeah so that character i could watch that character all day and and they may be one linery stuff but the way he says it in the execution is really interesting to watch um the the dynamic between Hulk and Thor, I think there's such a good dynamic there that's so almost brotherly in a in a stepbrothers kind of way, um, like our like conflict slash slash friendship in a really cool way in both the relationship between Thor and Hulk and Thor and Banner. Um, I think all of that is really fun to watch and i think it will i don't know because i've only seen it once but i believe that it'll be fun to watch on repeat viewings and another thing is i love the idea of you know i like this kind of movie the guardian space opera or the the rag this ragnarok space opera going to a planet you've never seen before learning about the customs of that planet seeing what they do there seeing what characters inhabit it seeing how it's evolved and how people change and what masks they wear and what events they have and and just just the technology all of it um, I enjoy that stuff a ton. So for me, as as just on a very personal level, it was like it was almost like we go to Asgard. And I'm like, all right, grumble, grumble, and then bam! Oh my God, they just hijacked the boring Thor movie I was watching, and now I'm having a blast. 
and then oh okay well it, it just got taken back to asgard but this is pretty cool it's got a good finale got some punch all right i'm game and then also some of those really fun characters from sakar have moved there as well um, and so I feel like it's possible that I will still enjoy this, but I also want to point out a, a counterpoint, and that is, Jordan, you have often said Guardians falls somewhat flat on second and third viewings, um, yet that had a lot of heart, apparently. No, no? Yeah, or, no that's what I'm saying. On a, on a humor level, it doesn't work as well, but I, I still enjoy watching it just because mm-hmm. there is, you know, I have a good understanding of the characters, and I like that world, and I think there is... There, there are scenes that are not just about spitting out jokes. Yeah, right, right. I, I mean, I, yeah, I, uh, I, I see what you're saying. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think, I think on second and third viewings, it'll be interesting. Um, you know what's interesting? Also, this is a movie that I, I think I might go as far as buying and watching more than once, which also says something. Um, I don't know why it's that way. As much as I love Doctor Strange, I don't feel that drive with that one. But with this one, I like. I want to see it again, like almost right now. Strangely, it's weird. I'm weird with movies. Like I, I tend to get very much like looking at the clock with some movies, unless they're really, really engaging. Um, I like TV much more. I feel much more less of that drive with TV for some reason. Um, but this movie, I was not for one second wishing it was over or wondering when it was going to get to whatever part. Um, so I think that speaks highly for it uh, for uh-huh. me, anyway. My one, my, my one other note is I do think, and this this is a problem I think just because again I have seen the Dark World it 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 definitely gives more of Thor and Loki but it basically repeat, repeats the exact same relationship from the Dark World with their like mistrust and re- learning to how to work together and forming a bond so it's like it it was very repetitive in that aspect. I thought they were gonna I thought th- I really thought this time Loki was gonna be like more redeemed than he was i really was surprised that he was just such a like it just like when he betrayed them in the spaceport i was really surprised i was like again yeah um but i mean they had at least thor handled it that was the happiness i had there it was at least like thor expected it even though they had that what seemed like a emotional moment i, I hear why that undercuts it um in, in your explanation there but you know in the elevator they have that emotional conversation and then like immediately thor uh loki betrays him again and yeah it undercuts that but at the same time it shows that thor has uh wised up to his his actions on on a very simple level but then on a, on a more in-depth level he does come over and say the reality is you 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 know you you're loki the god of mischief but you could be so much more and i thought yeah. that was an impactful moment i meh. i I'll, i the, the one other thing and this was when i was seeing the movie i didn't immediately think anything of it because it was like ragnarok who knows how this is going to end maybe it ends with everything in fire and everyone's dead and maybe like thor is having a not going to regenerate yet doctor moment so that he can like hold off Ragnarok till after infinity war. But the fact that they just murdered off the entire warriors three was a real bummer. They got punked out hard. Yeah. Well, aren't they big in dark world? Um, I mean, they're, yeah, they're in both of the first two movies there. I mean, it's, isn't it kind of like a, like a, you know, kill the past <laughs> moment there. Um, that's what, that's what Tim kind of said when we left, I saw it with Tim and Tim's thoughts on it were were twofold. I thought these were interesting to bring up. One was that, um, it was just sort of like, you know, we are making a new movie. They have to go. <laughs> so they're dead. That's it. Like wiping wiping off the chessboard so you can set up the pieces again. Um, and the other thing that he said was um, – and this was my big fear going in, as I said earlier, was that it was going to be Guardians again. And I really don't want Guardians 3, especially not Thor, colon, Guardians 3. And so when I felt like it really wasn't that. And it's very hard to put my finger on why I felt like it wasn't that in a lot of ways. I felt like it was it was different in in some way. Now, what what Tim said 
was that it was effective camp. That was his take on it in that it's a movie that knows it's silly in a lot of ways. Like, for example, why is Thor ever using a gun of any kind, for example? Um, but yeah, there he is with Gatling guns with Loki. Why? Because it looks cool. So they just give into that impulse of campy fun to great success. And that's the difference between this and Guardians, which takes itself far too seriously in moments. I think that was to best paraphrase what he said. I thought that was an interesting take. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think that's interesting. Like I said, I think this is a super fun movie, and it's definitely a movie worth seeing. I just think it's it's too shallow to to have any... I mean, I just think it's it, it's lacking depth, and that's my biggest issue with it. Understood. Okay, so let's let's move forward a little bit and talk just about... Any, we talked a lot about a lot of different characters and moments, so let's talk just about any standout stuff that we want to mention that didn't get mentioned yet. Any characters, uh, Kevin or Jordan, that you want to like bring up and thought were interesting in particular? Well, I tweeted that Idris Elba got more cool moments in this movie than in the entirety of The Dark Tower, because it's true. And then oh, wow. I, I'm really that glad true. that... Well, because it's funny how... He was more the comic relief in the first two movies because he's literally just the gatekeeper standing there and all that. Um, and then here they finally gave him, you know, these really awesome badass moments of carrying the sword and, uh, you know, fighting off Hala's army and all that. So that was really cool. Um, that's, you know, not making char much character. But and then Carl Urban's I really liked. Uh, and, you know, he did get while, you know, very one note and simplified did get an arc there at the end. Yeah. Um, and he got his little, like, Rambo moment. And, uh, yeah. It's fun. With, with Destroy, with Des yeah, and yeah, Troy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that was a good callback. Um, another thing I liked about it was that they really successfully made it look to me like he was just going to, like, hide into with that group like a coward. Um, and and they, they flashed back to him enough times that I was convinced that was going to be the end of the arc. It was right. just like he cowers into that group with those people. So when he makes the decision, and maybe this was just me being naive, but when he makes the decision to like bust out his guns and save the world or save his people, yeah. uh, I, I was I was uplifted by it uh, and really yeah. enjoyed enjoyed that decision. Um, I, Idris Elba is good. I thought he was you know we barely saw him. Um, right, he's right. Hard, I, I barely recognize him with the different eye color. It's weird. Yeah. Um, even though I know it's him and, and he's just he's a great actor. Yeah. Um, I love but, as I said before, I love Valkyrie. Yeah, I'm a little was, tired. And definitely I, my standout new supporting character for sure. For sure. I'm a little tired of the whole um, I'm, I have scar tissue. I'm out. And then, oh, maybe I'm in. No, I'm still out. And then <laughs> oh, and you make a good point, but I'm out. And then fuck it. I'm in, motherfucker. Arc. I'm like a little tired of that. It's but solo arc. Yeah, yeah, it is. But it's still it's done really well here, so I'll take it. Um, and and you know, going to your point, Jordan, being in a movie without a ton of character development, um, we need it where we can get it, right? Sure. Um, and so I, I enjoyed her tremendously, um, and and just her action and her acrobatics, and I just thought she was just excellent in this. Um, and then my my by far MVP of the thing was Korg. I love him. Love him, awesome. love him, love him, love him. Everything he says, everything he does, the way he asks little questions like, are those eggs? They they kind of look like eggs, just little asides. Um, he's just very like state what he sees in a really funny way or our foundations are still solid so we can build. I know you didn't like this for other reasons, Jordan, but our foundations are still solid. So at least we can rebuild. And then like the whole planet explodes and he goes, all right, those those foundations are gone now. Um, just really funny. Uh, I just enjoyed myself thoroughly uh, throughout. Um, with all those, because of the characters. I think it was really the characters. And then how about the Grandmaster, guys? How did you guys feel about him? 
And his side Super Jeff Goldblum. Oh, gosh, yes. That was, like, the most Jeff Goldblum character you could come up with. <laughs> I, and we, I mean, I saw with the friend, and he was saying, like, I feel like so much of that was improvised, and I would not be surprised if, I mean, just because that kind of dialogue you could easily come up with. Um, same with a lot of the Thor and Hulk uh, dialogue. And, um, oh, yeah, and, like, there was that, uh, 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 just going off of these, uh, on this note, like the scene when Thor and Loki are talking and uh, Thor mentions that story about when they were kids and uh, Loki turned into a snake, then turned back into a human. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> it was little touches like that that were just like, yeah, you can tell that this whole ensemble just had a ton of fun working together on this one and then coming up with one liners for their characters, etc. That's that's really true. That was a, that was a really, really well written little uh, little aside there. Um there was something else that I was thinking about that I wanted to mention, but now I can't remember it. Oh, yeah, that part where Jeff Goldblum says, why are you handing me the melting stick? That seems like really inappropriate at this moment. I like that part or what, however he said it um, there. All right, um, so closing thoughts, um, and then we'll talk about our ranking and we'll close out. Um, closing thoughts on the movie. We already kind of know what everybody thought of it in general. Um, how Anything else that we haven't gotten to mention yet that you wanted to make a point of? How about you start, Jordan? Um, no, nothing too major. I, uh, yeah, I just wish the Asgard stuff had felt more monumental, just, just more important, more there in the movie. Again, Mm -hmm. like, Scourge had his big, uh, sacrifice moment, but it, it, for me, it fell flat just because, like, we barely knew the guy outside of... (laughs) (laughs) He was making a lot of, like, meaningful eye gestures throughout. Sure, um... Uh, I just yeah I wish I wish it had more substance like it is a very funny movie but I look at it like I would you know an R-rated comedy like The Hangover it's like super it's funny to watch the one time but I don't think it's a movie you have to go back to necessarily except to maybe catch some jokes you missed the first time and I I I I, I always think this is what it was when people who are super into the DC movies and talk about all their depth and weight which I don't think is there or is very poorly handled they're always talking about how MCU movies are so light and frivolous and they don't have any depth whatsoever. I've never found that to be true, but I feel like this is the movie they always think Marvel movies are with no substance (laughs) whatsoever. So I think if they have an argument to be made, it's like, this is the movie they're always saying Marvel movies are. All right. All right. I could, I could see what you mean by that. Um, Kevin, any last thoughts? No, not too much. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I do agree that, and especially, Hearing Jordan, your thoughts more. It, I mean, that does make sense. And um, but I also, I guess, I wasn't expecting a ton of depth. I was just looking yeah. to have fun. But yeah, it could have done more with that. Had more punch to it. And again, with the action, it wasn't extremely out of this world or terribly memorable. Uh, but I did have a lot of fun with the comedy. And again, I saw a lot of Flash Gordon influence in there. Maybe that's mm-hmm. why. I enjoy it more because I love Flash Gordon. And yeah. so I think it has been initial to kind of reach that level of cult classic, maybe eventually, you know, um, just so for, for, of its stylistic components and comedy. For me, I see all the points that have been made and I think that they're all valid. Um, I just don't know that I wanted those in, in, in my perfect movie, at least in my perfect version of this movie. I think I probably wouldn't touch it as it exists. Um, I could see maybe a couple little moments, like maybe when Thor finally sees that the architecture on Asgard that was shattered and he sees like the truth about how it was built and he like 
owns up to his place as the king and maybe one or two scenes that foreshadowed that, you know, another two or three minutes added to the runtime I could have gone for. Um, that would have been interesting, perhaps. Um, but generally speaking, um, I just had so much fun that it's impossible. I, I was laughing so much, and that's so rare for me in a lot of movies, that it, it's impossible to say that I want anything changed. While I do see what you mean, Jordan. Um, anyway, all right, cool. So how does it rank? Okay. Do you, want, you, want, you want to go first? Sure, yeah. Um, so first, I did the ranking of the three MC movies this year. And so I put because I rewatched Guardians two two weeks ago. Oh yeah, and I've seen Spider yeah, and then because I got it for my birthday, and then I've seen Spider Man Homecoming twice, and then you know this one I just saw. If I had to rank uh, those three, I would put Guardians two at the top, then Thor, then Spider Man. Um, and reasons being there, first of all, they all surprising. It was three kind of action comedies back to back, um, in a way. But uh, Guardians. You know, I really love that universe, and I rewatching it, I uh, was reminded that I really did enjoy the story of the second movie a lot um, in terms of the father-son arc, uh, the stuff with the Ravagers, um, Yondu's sacrifice at the end, and how that played out. So I really enjoyed Volume 2. Um, not quite as much stylistically as the first one, but I still really liked it. So I put that one, um, then this one, and then... Spider-Man, but it was like, it's kind of back and forth between Spider-Man and Thor. They were both a lot of fun and uh, had really great moments. I, I, Looking back, I do think Spider-Man, you know, of course, had more heart and drama to it, um, but they were both a lot of fun. And then in terms of my hierarchy of MCU movies, the list has changed. It's now Civil War is actually my number one now, um, having done several repeat viewings. I think that is the one that uh, encompasses everything great about the MCU. Wow, that is amazing. It has um, the most visceral action sequences. It's what I love about it is that it's able to have so many characters and storylines going on, yet it doesn't feel overstuffed. And uh, I think it has really rewarding payoffs by the end. It makes me excited for the future movies, and so that one is now my number one. Uh, and Thor would fall. I mean, now there's so many, it's hard to keep a numbering system. Yeah, anymore. yeah. But it falls somewhere like six, seven ish. Um, liked it more than Doctor Strange, um, but still like it less than like you know the first Iron Man, first Captain America, um, some of those. But a very fun one and very enjoyable installment. Jordan, cool. Uh, so I did two things. For me, I went. Just looking at all the superhero movies of this year, uh, including, uh, really, I guess the only other two are Logan and Wonder Woman so far. Um, but for me, yeah, Thor Ragnarok is the pro the bottom of it. Um, mainly because I think Logan is just kind of in a league of its own as a great... Well, yeah, oh gosh, yes. Yeah. Top class. Wonder Woman was great. Um I really liked that, and honestly, with the MCU movies this year, I don't think any of them are all-timers, and in fact, on my list, I've got the 17 movies, they're all clumped right together, um, so I put Homecoming probably at the top, because I think it is a really fun Spider-Man movie, and I love that character, and I love Tom Holland's performance, I actually think Vulture is one of the stronger villains they've done, um, then I have Guardians 2, and then I have Thor Ragnarok, I, I don't think it will stay the bottom because I really don't have high hopes for Justice League, but we'll see. Um, and then in the overall MCU ranking, uh, I have Thor Ragnarok at... 
I, I go back and forth. Like, the movies it solidly beats are Thor 2, Incredible Hulk, Doctor Strange, and Age of Ultron. And it's kind of hovering between 11, 12, and 13th place. Ooh. Because, to me, it's like... You know, it's funnier than the first Thor, but the first Thor has, like, I think, pretty strong character arcs and, and uh, a journey for the hero. And, you know, is earlier on, so it's definitely more modest at this point, but I, I think it does good work. Uh, and then also, I hold the infinite torch for Iron Man 2. So I really, I again, anytime that movie's wow. out, I stop on it. And again, I think it actually has character arcs. However, you know, shoddy the movie is overall, I think it, it does a good job of, of developing its characters and the world. Um, I probably put Thor Ragnarok above both of them, but again, it's, I think, floating in there 11, 12, or 13th overall for me. Nice. Uh, so Thor Ragnarok as of right now, and I'm, I always get a little bit of the glow after I see a movie that I really enjoy. Um, I think we all do to some extent. Um, but I would say, uh, it's top five for me at this point. I love Thor Ragnarok because of the fact that it beat out that feeling that I get as a movie viewer of like, wow, I've seen this, especially in superhero movies lately. I feel like I've seen it all. And when I see some of those arcs that you're talking about, Jordan, um, I just I feel like a lot of them are a little rote and a little heartstring tuggy in a, in a in a fake way. Not all of them. Some of them do it really really well. But at this point, I've seen so many iterations of those journeys um, that they sometimes fall flat for me. Not to say they're not incredibly well done, um, but I sometimes I sometimes feel that way as a movie viewer. Um, the the overall enjoyment that I had, just the sheer not ever being bored and just having a blast and some surprise around every corner and great dialogue that almost never felt uh, corny or lame. Um, in a, and in a movie like this with so many one-liners and so many jokes and so many necessary punchlines that had to land every time, I didn't have really any cringe moments. And with Car- the supporting cast like Cork, it, it, it just as a sum of its parts, I just felt like I just had such a good time watching it. So if right now it's top five, I'd have to go back and really do an assessment. That would also, of course, involve watching uh, The Dark World at some point. Um, the grievous harm it may do to my heart uh, notwithstanding. Um, so, uh, so anyway, I really, really enjoyed it. If I had to look at this year, I mean, movies like Logan and Wonder Woman, I mean, it's, it's almost incomparable. Um, it's almost like they're, it's like they're, yeah, they're both superhero or they're all superhero movies, but those movies are phenomenal dramas, just phenomenal. And they have some jokes, but they're hardcore dramas. And this is really an action comedy. Um, and so it's very hard to compare something like uh, homecoming. I definitely enjoyed this more than homecoming. Um, and then what was the other one? Um, Guardians 2, I like this more than that as well. Um, I uh, Guardians 2, um, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I forget that movie. Now, that said, Kevin, you just mentioned that you watched it again, and it really like reinstilled how much you enjoyed it the first time. Yeah. Um, the, the person I saw it with just loved it, just couldn't stop talking about it. And for me, I was like, it was good, yeah. Um, but I think I need to watch it again and really understand like where I feel about that. So, But for right now, I got a big warm glow around uh, Thor Ragnarok, um, as big as uh, uh, the force field around Sakaar. Uh, so. <laughs> um, anyway, all right, cool guys. Um, well, that was fun. It's fun having the gang back together. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll have to do this much, much more often. Yeah, um, seems solid. So. Yeah, yeah, it seems like we're pretty, pretty solid. There's only like one little drop, and everybody sounds clear, and we're, 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 we're making it work. Awesome. Um, on that note, um, what? Let's each pick one thing we're gonna be checking out next. Jordan. Uh, well, I guess of all things, um, 
I mean, Justice League is coming, but really... The Sonic thing Forces. Most... Yeah, Sorry. Sonic Forces is probably what I'm going to be the most engaged in. Cool. Uh, Kev? A uh, movie coming out in December is Guillermo del Toro's next film, The Shape, is it the Shape of Water, I think. Um, yeah, that looks great. It, yeah, I mean, I don't really need to know anything about it. I'm going <laughs> to be there. I'm going to see it, uh, you know, probably multiple times. It's got Doug Jones in it. It's set in the 40s, and it's supposed to be another Guillermo del Toro dark fantasy. That's all I need. To... Oh, my God. You guys are yeah. about some Guillermo. I can't yeah. believe how... how, how bad i've been at not watching that stuff well i think that might mean that i just have to pop hellboy in finally today i think i may just have to pop it in yep okay do you think i would really enjoy hellboy if i watched it today guys are you saying you've never read a hellboy comic or seen the movie i've read like a like an issue or two of hellboy when they had those like when they've had little things but no not really and i I haven't seen the movies i've only seen the first hellboy in the past year and it holds up so awesome yeah I, i still revisit it quite often very very cool yeah um so there's that stuff um i'm uh, i'm actually been doing some more reading lately so there's this really cool book uh called six wakes by mer lafferty she's a local author um and it's about um there's six cl- there's six clones on a ship and uh one of them gets murdered or no maybe hold on let me see what the exact premise is i haven't started it yet but it looks awesome let's see here there are um in the depths of space, it's pretty normal to wake up in a cloning vat. The streaks of blood, however, not so normal. Um, Ma- Maria Arena has been cloned before. Usually when she awakens as a new clone, her first memory is of how she died. This time she has no idea. Her memories are incomplete. And Maria isn't the only one to have died recently. So it says, a lone ship, a murdered crew, and a clone who must find her own killer before they strike again. Awesome. Nice. Clo- cool. Clone killers, space cop stories. Yes, please. So I'm going to be diving into that one uh, this week. Uh, on that note, um, where can they find us, everybody? Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, um, and iTunes, Podbean. Um, also, for any North Carolina listeners out there, uh, Rich and I will be at NC Comic Con Bull City this coming weekend. Um, it's Sunday right now as we're recording. We will be there uh next all it's going on friday through sunday this episode will be up before then so you'll hear about it probably be two days after uh this episode posts cool so um yeah we will be doing two panels there um one with uh creators chris sims chad bowers and jim toe of x-men 92 and youngblood uh that will be the first panel on friday afternoon at one o'clock and then we'll be doing one with our friend Alex Fulmar from the Name Redacted podcast on Saturday at 6 o'clock. And that'll be on Starting Your Own Podcast. So it'll be a lot of fun. So if any of you are going to that con, come check us out. Awesome. Um, yeah, you can find me at Rich Lepore on Twitter. You can find me at... Oh, yeah, me on, at KW Shave on Twitter. <laughs> you can find me right. at Indigo Master on Twitter, E-N-D-I-G-O-M-A-S-T-E-R at jordanelsaka.tumblr.com or facebook.com slash writer for comics and general thoughts on geek stuff, yeah. And Jordan, just real quick, since we haven't uh, talked about it on the podcast in a while, how are your projects going? I, I mean, since we last recorded with you, you've had another book come out, um, you know, you're always pitching stuff. Yeah, Anything you want to say on that? Note? a slow process. <laughs> Sure, uh, sure. Finding okay. Peace did come out, so that was exciting. The Kickstarter went really well, and it was a much quicker turnaround than the first one. Um, and yeah, I'm working on pitches. I have a couple out there. I have a new one that I'm slowly starting to work on. Moving and, you know, having to change jobs made, a, you know, funding got delayed for a little bit. But 
I'm getting there. It's hopefully I'll have some stuff to announce in the next month or so. But awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, on that note, um, I'm Rich Lapore. Kevin Schaefer. Jordan Alseka. And we'll see you soon. Bye.